Welcome to the Armani Talks podcast. I'm your host, Armani Talks. In this podcast, I'm helping you level up your communication skills every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. If this is your first time on the channel, welcome aboard. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification to stay updated with the latest content. Today, we are back with Unapologetic Truths, episode 17, and we have a guest on, Harshina. What's up? Hey, Arman, how are you doing? And for those wondering, what is Harshina? It's because today is Women's Day and I have decided to identify as a woman because there was a big discount at the restaurant I usually eat at. So (laughs) I'm a woman now, call me Harshina. And if you call me Harsh today, you are going to get cancelled, transphobe. All right, let me make a note just to make sure I call you Harshina. Are you actually planning on going to a restaurant with that name? Sure, why not? I, wonder, I mean, what is the qualification to identify as a woman? Like, what do you require? Because as far as I understand, you just have to claim that you are a woman, and I am doing that. How is it like in India with a lot of these rules? Uh, they don't exist. It, it's, a, it's a joke for the internet. It doesn't like, exist in India. So far, I'm going to bet a lot of money that it eventually will exist in India because of the way things are going and all Eastern countries are becoming westernized. So it's going to happen, but so far it hasn't happened. Well, that was one of the more interesting things from our last episode with Kyle Trouble. I noticed that you guys had some similarities where he lives in Europe, you're from India, but the media is impacting both of your guys' location. Yeah, I think Kyle is very intelligent and a very observant person. And he has not been brainwashed by the media of, you know, the world. And I respect him for that. What a random episode last or our last episode. Because he <laughs> was actually alive. supposed he was actually supposed to come the episode before that. But you know, we postponed it one more. And that's when the whole uh, Ukraine, Ukraine thing was thing happening. Happened. Yeah, what do you think about the whole Ukraine thing? I mean, I'm still at that point where I'm getting updated with it. I mean, in that episode, I was learning as much as you were because I don't know how updated you've been. And it's not something that I've educated myself in depth on. I just have a very surface level opinion of it. Uh, have you been breaking no, it down no, researching no, no. it i i don't particularly care i have a simple theory i don't really care about what other countries are fighting and doing as long as it doesn't affect india or me so as long as these guys are fighting and killing each other and bombing each other in their own country i don't care if they start coming to india then i will wipe them both out mm-hmm was anything in Ukraine and Russia affecting India? Only the news, I think. But anything affects the news. In practical aspects, not really. I will say that India is more sympathetic towards Russia because of historical reasons where Ukraine has always voted against India in the UN. They kind of, what what is the word for it, um, where you like talk negatively about someone after an action is being committed. The gossiping? No, no, no. Yeah. 
Um, there's a word for it. You're talking about from the lens of politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So it's something that Ukraine and Russia were doing to India. No, it was something. So what would happen is that across um, history, Ukraine has basically been anti-India, where they voted against India in a lot of UN resolutions. They voted for the UN Council, basically the UN countries, to attack India for Kashmir and everything. And if it wasn't for Russia, like Russia vetoed a lot of these things. So Russia has been more friendly towards India historically. And Ukraine has been anti-India historically. So when we conducted our nuclear tests, and now India is a nuclearly armed country, Ukraine basically condemned, yeah, the word is condemned. So they condemned India for it. And all of these Western countries made a big deal out of it. So, And today they're they're saying things like PM Modi and, you know, he's like important and he should say something. And you never stood with us for the past 30 years of your existence. And now when you're in trouble, you want to come to us and help you against our friend who did stand with us across history. So India is more sympathetic towards Russia in general. Mm. And uh, even like Western countries, for example, when the India-Pakistan war happened, um, the US sent its warships and aircraft carriers towards India to attack India and support Pakistan. And the Soviets helped India repel that attack. So if it wasn't for Russia, India would have been invaded way more often. Like China would have taken way more and US would have invaded India, etc. So India is pro-Russia, which makes complete sense given history. And personally, I don't care as long as they're both bombing each other and not us. So you seem... You seem aware of geopolitics. I am a bit aware, but I am not an expert. Same. It's one of those fields where, even with politics in general nowadays, I'll stay updated, but I'm not one of those guys that's going to have strong opinions about different matters because I don't necessarily trust the information that's being given to us. So for you to make an opinion, you got to first trust the information and then you got to create some logic from your experiences to understand what's going on. But if you can't even trust what's being given to you, then either way, you're just going to be creating a faulty or uninformed opinion. True. I think that both sides are lying. The conservatives you know I mean? and liberals? No, I mean like Ukraine and Russia. They're both lying. In the sense that Ukraine is acting like they're winning and killing thousands of Russians, and Russians are acting like they're winning very easily. And I think that they are both lying. It would be interesting to see what happens over the next year because these wars are typically not something that end really fast especially at this point where a lot of the invasion has already taken place, the sanctions have already happened. So it won't be like, hey, if we withdraw now, we'll forgive you. That's not going to happen. So it's likely going to be that um, Putin or the Russian countries, Russian country, that is Russia, will 
make the decision that hey we've already gotten sanctioned we might as well get as much territory as we can now you see what i mean they Mm -hmm. don't have anything else to lose were you the one who tweeted an image of russian courses getting cancelled from udemy uh yeah that was me that was it was coursera And there's a university called HSE University, which is a really good university. They have really, really good courses on Coursera or had. And Coursera deleted all of those courses and saying that they're outraged by the war. And so apparently Russian math is not good. Like Russian math courses are not good because the Russian army attacked Ukraine, which is complete bullshit. All these Western companies are canceling everything Russia. Damn, dude. Okay, so the sanctions are going pretty far. This is what I I don't like. I I don't like companies, the faceless companies, taking sides in politics. I believe that you should keep the product first and your ideals second. And sometimes they do blend. They're hypocritical. For example, Apple is known to use child labor in China. Nestle is known to use child labor in China. And these are the companies that are giving us a moral lecture about what is acceptable, what is not. And they're acting like they own the world. Although I do think that eventually this cancel culture shit, these companies will end up canceling themselves. For example, when when Visa and MasterCard exited Russia right now, well, Russians will either develop their develop their own system or move to BTC, ETH, or XMR, like that is crypto, Web3, or go to China. That is, they will use the Chinese system and create a parallel economy, or how how would I put it? They would end the US hegemony of a lot of these companies. So I think that the China one is what's currently happening, but eventually I would hope it becomes Web3. But the point is that when these Western companies kind of participate in a war basically they're being used as weapons in a war like denying the enemy water this is basically what's going on and eventually these all the other countries will realize that and they are realizing that and find a way to create alternatives for example if visa and mastercard can't relied upon then all big countries need to have their own system because these com- companies only exist with you until you are on good terms with America. Because if you're not on good terms with America, then it's like you can't use all of these services anymore. So these are not services you can rely upon. So they shouldn't be the national service. You see what I mean? So mm-hmm. eventually, th- this is like slow motion suicide, in my opinion, where it hurts you more than it hurts the enemy, even though it hurts the enemy more right away. You think it's going to spark more innovation? I hope so, man. I really do hope so. Or at least it's going to spark more competition. Mm-hmm. Because earlier it was, there are a handful of companies and they own the market. But when the network effects go away, for example, all of the people in Russia were using Twitter. But now Twitter is not in Russia. So you can make your own clone of Twitter and maybe the Russian government can help market it and create a new Twitter with only Russians or say with, with the world plus Russians and anyone can join it. And 
there will be network effects for sure because the previous network just it doesn't exist anymore. So you can start a new network. So the network effects will be there. And once that happens, once that is successful, the old Twitter can't come back to Russia because the network effects in Russia for the new Twitter alternative has have already been established. So are you aware that Facebook is not that popular in Russia at all? Because before Facebook got popular in Russia, someone made a clone of Facebook and that clone of Facebook is really, really popular in Russia. So Facebook could not find a way to break into their network effects of the clone. And since these companies are going away, it opens up space for a new clone to come in and then take the market. Of course, this will not happen in one day. It's going to take a while and it's going to be very painful for everyone involved in Russia until this happens. But I believe this is a positive for the world because it introduces more competition in the market eventually. See, this is a lot like, you know, getting kicked out of the family house, you know, where let's say you had a tyrannical parent and they were all my house, my rules, my house, my rules. If you don't listen to me, you kicked out of the house, kicked out of the house. And then, okay, you get kicked out of the house. So for a while, you're going to be living on the street. But eventually, I hope you will get a job or like start a business or whatever and, you know, make your own house. And once you have your own house, you no longer have to deal with the whole tyranny of my house, my rules. So I think eventually this is going to turn into a positive for the world. I really hope it goes the Web3 crypto route and not the China route because I think that is more beneficial to the world than the China route. Because the China route is just another guy with his own rules, his own house. I'm trying to think real quick because let's say what you're saying is true, where Russia develops their own sort of social media platform. I wonder if it's mainly going to be popular just in Russia or if it's going to be trendy mainstream like a Facebook and a Twitter? I don't know. I think like, I would say at least it would be popular in Russia, given the experience of the Chinese, which, for example, the Chinese social medias are popular in China, but not outside of China. But TikTok is popular across the world. So I I think it would be popular at least in Russia, but it might also get popular everywhere else because the Russians can be smart. They can say, Hey, we don't have all these rules where we'll cancel you for being woke or sorry, not being woke and not believing in, you know, all the nonsense the woke people believe. And we have more free speech. So it might actually replace the existing network. I'm not saying that the probability is very high, but it is certainly there. Do you know if they have an Amazon in Russia? I am not aware. Tell me. No, I actually have no clue because <laughs> I, I'm thinking real quick. Hold on. Let me check if there's an Amazon Russia. Yeah, so it looks like that there are like sellers from Ukraine in the Amazon area, but I can't find any reliable article. So I'm not positive. But ultimately, I mean, wrapping this all back to the beginning, I think companies should find a way to stay out of politics. Because when they get into politics, it dilutes the product quality. And it seems as though if you scale nowadays, 
eventually you're going to get dragged into politics. Did you notice that? Somewhat. I, I think I a lot of these companies just let themselves get dragged. I don't know why. But for example, a shoe company like Adidas or Nike, like even if they are not politically opinionated, it's not like people won't wear shoes. Well, Nike was pretty politically opinionated a couple of years ago. I don't know if they took the side of Colin Kaepernick or if it was Adidas. I'm pretty sure it was Nike. But that ended up ostracizing a large part of their user base. And Harsh, I think this goes on to show why scaling and being mainstream is not always a good thing. It's because eventually your North Star is pulled in different directions. And that's why I asked about Amazon, because Amazon's core philosophy has always been the same. A customer is number one. I don't see them getting too involved with a different politics because they're always focusing on innovating for the customer. So how often do you guys use Amazon? All the time. Okay, I think I get a package every day, Buying which books. is usually a book or some equipment. But lately, you know what? I'll tell you the whole story of how I started buying on the internet. So earlier, I used to think everything on the internet was a scam. Like this was back in what, 2012 or 13, where I or my family, we didn't really trust that anything on the internet was real. And it was considered very risky culturally to, you know, put your debit card information or bank information on the internet to buy something in India. And then we had a site called Flipkart come around. And Flipkart was amazing back then. Everyone would use Flipkart to buy stuff like books. And it was like the Amazon of India of that day. And they advertised so much that they got people out of the fear of putting their card information online. And people realized that online is actually better than offline because a product is more likely to be genuine and not fake. And if there was problems, these online companies typically side with the customer in their returns department. So that they introduced online purchases to me. And my first online purchase was made via Flipkart. Then Amazon came in the market. And for some reason, I, I think Amazon just has more money to burn. But everything on Amazon is cheaper than it is on Flipkart. So I started buying from Amazon more often. So earlier, I would first check the price on Flipkart. Then I would check the price on Amazon. And I would buy on whichever is cheaper. But then as time passed, almost every single time I checked, Amazon was cheaper. So I stopped checking. And now I just buy from Amazon. And I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. Usually books, clothes, even laptops, phones, and this microphone that I'm talking to was bought from Amazon. So was the interface. So were all the cables. So was my keyboard, etc. So Amazon is really the everything store here. And nowadays, I even buy groceries on Amazon. Mm. Groceries, food items, etc. Have you ever read the book Invent and Wander? I have not. Tell me more. Uh, so it's the collected writings of Jeff Bezos. And I highly recommend this book if you're an entrepreneur or an upcoming businessman. Wait, let me order the, it. From where? <laughs> what is the name? Invent and Wander. Invent and Wander. 
And there's a subtitle, The Collected Writings of Jeff Bezos. Overall, in this book, Harsh, it talks about Jeff Bezos' philosophy, where there's two things that make him unique. Number one, Mm -hmm. he's a long-term thinker. He doesn't necessarily care about the stock going up or down, which a lot of big companies do. They care if they give their shareholders a great return. While with Jeff Bezos, he leverages obsession, not just dibbling and dabbling, but obsessing over the customer experience. And throughout the book, he starts to explain how his vision for Amazon is to take it from books all the way to selling everything. And his main goal is to just keep satisfying the customers. And the more that you keep them as the center of the universe, the more that you can plan 10 to 15 years ahead. So what you were saying, yo, how is it that Amazon always has things cheaper? One of the reasons why is because they have a price matching feature. If you can find anything lower than what it's being sold on Amazon, often they'll meet the lower price. So you stick with Amazon. And for Mm. the first couple of years, Jeff Bezos wasn't making any money. Uh, There was this one time where a bunch of entrepreneurs were getting interviewed by journalists. And one of the journalists asks Jeff Bezos, Mr. Bezos, can you even spell profit? And he was joking around and he's like, of course, (laughs) (laughs) P-R-O-P-H-E-T. And he was just joking around because for the first couple of years, or I would say over eight plus years, he didn't make any profit like that. So nowadays, when people make fun of Jeff Bezos, I'm thinking, dude, do you understand how much sacrifice he had to put in to get started with Amazon? How many years he wasn't making profit to finally reap the rewards and how much value he's created for the entire world for Amazon to be a success? Dude, it is amazing what he has achieved and how much he has improved the world. Speaking of profits, have you heard of AWS? Yes. Do you think Amazon that plays, Web Service? Yes. So, uh, do you think that plays a role? Because I think the business model is that AWS is really, really profitable, but the retail business makes not as much money. So, profits from AWS keep the retail business alive until it gets to the point where it's conquered everything. Meanwhile, all the other companies don't have the AWS, so they don't have a big profit center. So they can't continuously keep losing money because they will eventually run out. So he was talking about that. He was talking about that in the book where with AWS, he didn't have any competition in that particular market for at least six or seven years, which is completely unheard of in the business world. So that allowed Amazon to amp up their services and they had a head start. And nowadays, I think Microsoft is trying to compete in that as well. Azure. And there's also DCS. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Bezos is a long-term thinker. I mean, I think in society, he's seen as a villain where if you check out most media or most people on just social media, uh, they view Jeff Bezos as this poster boy for a greedy capitalist. But I think they undermine a lot of the value that he's provided the everyday man. I mean, nowadays you could buy a book so easily. A guy like me, I could publish a book and sell it directly to my audience and completely bypass the publishing system, which is a system. They'll be like, oh, I don't like these particular lines. Take it out. With Amazon, I don't need to answer to anyone. So when you factor in 
all these value that Jeff Bezos has given, I, I think he deserves more respect. True. And I don't think it makes sense to call him greedy because he isn't overcharging. Like he's giving you better service at a lower price. How is that greedy? That's just good business. There's another thing called phantom costs. So hypothetically, Harsh, let's say you get a book for $7.99, $7.99, which isn't too rare on Amazon. Hypothetically, would you have paid $10.99 for a very valuable book? Yes. What about $12.99? Yes. See, this little margin from $7.99 to $12.99, this is the amount that we're pretty much saving. We would pay for that if you know we got our arm pulled. We had to. <laughs> but we don't have to. So there's when you call the guy a greedy, it's there's so much phantom cost he's saving us to a point where I'm glad he's winning because he's allowed other people to win before him. Yeah, I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever to call him greedy. Like you can call him a lot of things, but not greedy. He's just a good, very good businessman. How often do you use Amazon in the US? Or do you guys have an alternative platform? No, like I Russia? use Amazon. <laughs> I use Amazon all the time. I'll get books from there. I'll get I'll get a camera stand from there, uh, lights for my YouTube studio. I spend a lot on Amazon. Uh, are you a Prime member? Yes. So I get yeah. most of my items in two days. You? Yeah, I'm a Prime member. You have two days. We get it here in one day. Oh, big balling. Sometimes in the same day, but that's rare. What's your thoughts on Apple? Are you an Apple user? I have an iPhone, but that's only for work. My personal phone is Android. I don't like it. I don't like the iPhone. It's it's very difficult to use the user interface. Mm-hmm. Oh, you think it's difficult to use? Yeah, I like Android way more. Interesting. The only thing great about the iPhone is that it has a great camera. I was forced into buying the iPhone because a lot of business apps only work on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And since I run my entire business from my computer, that is, you know, it's an online business. I need all the business apps. And some of them are just iPhone only. So I got my arm twisted into buying it. <laughs> but I prefer Android way more. My personal phone that I not the non-business phone is Android. Right. Technically, Android is a superior phone if we're talking about processing power and a lot of the usability. But for Apple, I mean, if you're a hardcore Apple fan, it doesn't matter how much logic you use as to why they should switch over to Droid. They're like, nah, man, I'm Team Apple. I was watching. Yeah, it seems to be one of those things where people get locked into the infrastructure. I think Apple products are not bad at all in quality, in the sense that, how do I put this? Like if you use an Apple product because they own the operating system and the hardware, everything works smoothly. So uh, I was reading Steve Jobs' biography recently, and it's so insane where you see his 
philosophy from the very beginning until the end. And he apparently knew that he was going to die young. So he had tons of ambition and he would, he was a tough guy to get along with. But one thing was that he wanted, he was a control freak. So he wanted all control over the Apple from the software to the hardware to the content management system, everything. And around that time, that philosophy was very different than the other players in the computer industry, predominantly Bill Gates. Bill Gates thought that software and hardware could be made by different people. So his philosophy was more fragmented, and Steve Jobs' philosophy was more integrated. And in the beginning couple of years, I mean, you could say that Microsoft was technically winning because there's a lot of people who buy computers. They want to hack it. They want to use it in different ways. And Steve Jobs, he wanted it to be more so of an experience, of an artistic experience. But in the long run, I mean, you could say that Apple ended up getting a lot of market share. I think they're one of the more valuable companies you know, in the world. And it's because Steve Jobs wanted to own everything. I'm talking from the Apple stores, where you buy the products, uh, to their own operating system, to how it's designed, etc., I don't see Apple doing too much innovation lately, though. I think one of the big products Apple has, it's just the iPhone every year, they come out with a new one, and it's insanely profitable, but they're not, they don't seem to be trying anything new. Dude, that's why they need a Steve Jobs. I mean, you should definitely check out his biography. The guy thought differently. Where Think about it like this. Were you? Do you remember when iPod came out? No, I I was way too poor for all of that. <laughs> well, before the iPod, there were these disgusting MP3 players, which were so difficult to use. Where I used to get them, and when I got them, I'm like, now what? And you had to click all these strange buttons, and it was considered an upgrade from the CD players. For Steve Jobs. The way that his mind worked, instead of trying to optimize junk, he's like, and let me just create something completely new. Let me put over 10,000 songs in your pocket, and we're not going to have all these buttons. We're just going to have a wheel. And when he was explaining that idea to his workers, they just couldn't get it. But he was he was just leaps ahead of everyone, where most people in his industry weren't thinking like him. So when... Steve Jobs passed away. I think that's one of the reasons why Apple hasn't been innovating like they used to. Hmm. You know, speaking of greedy, I think Apple is actually greedy. And Amazon is not greedy for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Because when you purchase anything on App, um, you know, from the Apple store, they want 30%. So if you don't give them 30%, they don't let you sell anything on their phone. Mm, and that's, that's really true. greedy. Are you like, so you have an Apple and a droid at this stage? Yeah. What entrepreneur do you personally respect? John D. Rockefeller. You mentioned that before. What was about him that you admired a lot? His 
tenacity, focus, determination, his social skills, mm-hmm. and the fact that he wasn't immoral like a lot of people today, where a lot of the entrepreneurs today lack a sense of morality where they're just doing it for the money or just as a party there is not a lot of higher purpose so one person i really respect is ron chernow then there is also satoshi nakamoto who i don't know at all and not much is known about mm-hmm. but i think satoshi nakamoto is one of the most important inventors or entrepreneurs of today and in 10 20 years the world would look very different because of satoshi nakamoto i highly respect that person whoever he is then i would say yeah those are the two big ones you could say benjamin franklin but i'm not fully sure if it's right to call him an inventor or a politician mhm those are the big ones i haven't yet read um, these autobiographies that you mentioned about steve jobs so maybe i might respect him if i read his book but i haven't yet right so so far these are the three i have satoshi uh, uh rockefeller rockefeller mm-hmm. uh, johnny rockefeller senior not junior senior the first one okay his biography by Ron Chernow is one of the best books I've ever read. Highly recommend everyone to read it. I'm going to check it out. I'll make a note of it in the description box. So for me, I would definitely put Jeff Bezos up there. Obviously Elon Musk and who's another one? For me personally, I exp- I respect innovativeness where you create something that I couldn't ever predict. No one could ever predict. And that's a true entrepreneur. And there's a big difference between an Peter entrepreneur. Thiel. I really respect Peter Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel uh, from PayPal. Yes. Did you ever oh, read his book Zero to One? Sorry. Um go ahead. Which guy? Um the Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I respect him, but his personality is so different from mine that i can't how Connect do i can't, can't relate i can't relate where the things he's building and it's really interesting i really respect that what he's doing but i can't relate to his personality you see what i mean like mm-hmm. i'm more serious about what i do and he seems he's more playful that's what i like about him though Yeah, it's it's an interesting guy and he's achieved a lot and I wish him the best of success. And I hope one day we can all go to Mars once. <laughs> you ever heard of Kanye West? He's a singer. I know that. I've heard some of his songs. Stronger. He, They keep playing him at the gym. Right, he's a rapper, but nowadays he's also making moves in the fashion industry. And I believe he became a billionaire recently. nice and i think he's i mean he has a very sporadic personality you ever heard of kim kardashian i have 
heard of this person and I have seen some memes, but I don't really know much about them. Okay, well, she's pretty famous in the US. She initially got famous off a sex tape with Ray J. And initially, the second one? Ray, Ray J is a singer. Okay, no idea. So I'm just, I'm just giving you a quick little summary. Okay. So Kim Kardashian had a sex tape with Ray J, which got leaked and it made her well known. And eventually she was given a reality TV show called Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And that show ended up becoming very popular among reality shows. So she became pretty popular herself, eventually became a billionaire through the fashion industry, I believe. And her and Kanye West were married for some time. And recently, they had their divorce after having four kids together. And he's, you know, in some ways been trying to get her back. And some people are like, yo, he's harassing her. He's being too aggressive with her. And, you know, he's someone that's known to have mental problems as well. And it's one of those mad genius sorts of vibes. Where he's a genius, you can't deny that. He's wealthy, but he has a he has a personality that is highly polarizing. Mm. I find him. I find him. I believe him and Elon Musk had a meeting a while back. Uh, Kanye West was thinking about running for uh, the president, so that's where you may have heard about him. You know, I've heard a couple of his songs, like Stronger and one where he sings about Mercy mm-hmm. from the gym. That's all I know about him. Kim Kardashian, I've seen memes about her having a big ass or something. Right. Yep, but, it looks like we're talking about the right one. Yeah, but that's all I know. <laughs> I'm not fully sure about the whole business part. It's She's super interesting, the the business of fashion i don't really understand it well at all to be honest like how do you know what's going to come next or do you just make up something and advertise it i don't know that dude but i do know that the fashion industry pays a lot rihanna became a billionaire off of that kim kardashian and i think her little sister kylie jenner also became a billionaire off that. i've heard of that one jenner Oh, you've heard Is of it her? Kaitlyn or Kylie? So there's two of them. There's uh, Kylie and Kendall. Oh, this was one from that scam, no? They did some fire festival. So that was that was her husband, Travis Scott. Okay. Travis Scott is Kendall Jenner's husband or boyfriend. And don't ask me why I know all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I bought up Kanye West was I highly respect him in terms of music and fashion, but it's just his personality, which makes it difficult for me to root for him. Where for you, you probably have that same thing for Elon Musk. And it's not like that. I don't like no, Kanye I West. I root for Elon time. Musk. I just, I just can't relate. For, I'll give no, you no, an that, example of what I mean. Well, that's, that's what I mean, because I don't want people to think that I don't respect Kanye West's confidence. I like that, but it's just his type of personality is very difficult for me to relate to. Go ahead. Uh, no, what I mean is, for example, like what this guy is doing with SpaceX. It's something I would never do in a million years, even if I thought like it might succeed. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I start a business, it's going to be like something that provides 
current utility or solves a current problem versus what he's doing is solving a future problem. So it's we have different ways of thinking and I really respect what he's doing, but I can't really relate. Although I would like to learn as much as possible from him. Mm-hmm. What about what do you think of electric cars? I think Teslas look really good. I think they but look the rest good. of them look like crap. Like they look like some very cheap car. They don't look they don't look beautiful or elegant. But mm-hmm. Teslas look really good. I like it. I mean, I don't know much about it, but I, I was at this uh, party a while back, and there was this guy that owned all these different Seven Elevens, like gas stations. And he was just telling me, man, I got to get ready for the next 10 years because the gas industry is going to be completely different because of electric cars. So I respect that. I mean, I don't have an electric car. Uh, I think they look cool, but I don't know much more about it. Yeah, I've heard it's much cheaper to use them. I don't know, though, because they seem really inconvenient. For example, let's say you're using an electric car and you can only use it in your city, basically. Because when you go out of the city, then you might run out of juice. And then what? Then you're Mm -hmm. screwed. Right. With a petrol or a diesel car, you can get petrol and diesel from anywhere. So the infrastructure already exists. So I think there are very strong network effects for gas and diesel and petrol cars. But I think electric cars might eventually get there. I've heard that batteries don't work so well in colder countries. So I don't know whether, you know, countries at the extremes of climates like Canada or Russia, or I think even some states in the US might be able to, you know, adopt electric cars unless some new technology becomes available. Yeah, I know the electric the pumps or the chargers, I know they're installing more. So I see a network effect happening soon. And by soon, I mean the next five years. Hmm. Interesting. That would be really cool. Like to have an option to be able to buy an electric car. I recall in, I would say 2002 or somewhere around that time, my teacher used to give us, make us watch this documentary and in the documentary, they were saying, in 2022, there's going to be flying cars. I'm watching this documentary in 2002. So this was two, 20 years ago. So in 20 years ago, we were expecting flying cars. Did you ever think about that? Or did you ever hear about that in your classes? No, but I always have thought about the concept. I just feel like, A lot of progress is usually made in the whole space of computer programs. For example, we now have Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc. And a lot of new technology keeps emerging in software. But hardware seems to be improving at a very slow pace. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? For example, trains are not moving really fast. Um, Planes are not flying at five times the speed. It's it seems to be more marginal improvements every single year with hardware, but software seems to be moving up more exponentially. So it would be really cool if more people developed hardware. 
Right. But then again, you know, you have to be the change you want to see. And I'm not doing it. And I don't really <laughs> care about doing it. So. <laughs> Harsh, are you going to evolve the industry? The thing with hardware is that you have to deal with the laws of physics more. Where with software, there's less rules. So that allows for more creativity. Yeah. And moreover, with software, well, anyone can do it. You could do it from your house. You don't need to like make a factory. You don't have to like have a lot of money and capital. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think software is more open or there are less barriers of entry. For example, if I have to design a new computer or a new chip, I will first have to spend a lot of time learning about how the existing chips are made. And then I would have to purchase equipment for, you know, actually doing something. Mm-hmm. With software, anyone with a computer can just install software and start coding. Right. So there are certainly a lot of barriers for entry. Like the only successful hardware startup I hear about is Apple. Right. Uh... Everything else is done by older companies or just people importing from China. Right. I'm going to have to think about that. I know in fashion, they're making moves where there's new shoes coming out, new wardrobe. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of an offline business and an online business where I have this buddy who recently has been selling these. Uh, you know those vapes? It, it's not a like cigarette, e-cigarettes. but it's a vape. Right, right. And he's been selling it in the mall and his business has been crushing it where no, yeah. he's he's been expanding from mall to mall to mall. And I'm like, dude, you need to set up an Instagram page or an e-commerce page Something of that sort. You can't just rely on foot traffic. And as I'm breaking this down to him, it's like I'm speaking another language. He's like, why would I possibly start a website and sell my products from there? I'm like, man, why wouldn't you? I mean, why would you not? And he's just like, nah, man, foot traffic is the only way to go. I'm like, dude, you have a product that anyone in Florida would want, let alone the US. You should definitely start an e-commerce shop. And it's just a different mindset where all the businesses he's ever run have been offline, real world. So he doesn't even understand what a website really is. He thinks a website is just something you get articles from, but he doesn't know that you could sell on it. Ah, interesting. Speaking of websites, I'm currently building a course on how people can start their own websites. So it's like a, it's a, it's a very noob friendly course for people who have never done it before. Mm-hmm. And it's going to show you how to set up a website, what security plugins to install, how to prevent being hacked. So anyone, let's say your mom or your dad or people who are not tech savvy, they have like a resource where everything about how to set up a website is there in one place. Like what is WordPress? What is a theme? How to use WordPress, etc. And where you can get a theme, where to get customer support. So it's going to be like, one course which will cover everything for from start to end getting a domain to setting up hosting to setting up the site uh-huh and it's intended for complete noobs so you know someone who has done it before or is knowledgeable can obviously like just google and youtube and figure it out but a lot of people like your friend i was just thinking really of him helpful for these guys yeah, when you release it, let me know and I'm going to send the 
link over to my buddy. Sounds good. That's interesting. What what made you think of creating this course? I I've had like about three entrepreneurs in the last two months ask me how to set up a site, and they have really basic questions like, is it safe? Is PayPal safe? Is it safe to accept people on my site? Uh, how do I set up a page? How do I set up a site? How do I do the HTTPS thing? So all of these are like very basic questions, but they are genuine questions because these guys are not tech savvy, right? They aren't. They aren't people in the ecom industry like us. Mm-hmm. So I realize that there's a big market here, so I'm going to build it. Uh, video course. Yeah, video course. Awesome, man. So have you already started it? I'm going to start it next week. I need to first finish this module of Teach Yourself Crypto, and then I'm going to start building it. This is The thing is that with stuff like this, sorry, um, just to complete, Mm -hmm. it's that it helps to have an existing audience because if someone didn't have an audience and they built a course on how to start a website, no one's going to buy it. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So I think there is a barrier of entry there. So I have an advantage. And you have a website too. Exactly. I have eight or nine websites by now. Oh, wow. I think more than that. Maybe like 12. I don't know. I mean, what use has a website been for you? Well, I've run e-com stores, like not a lot, but yeah. I run a blog, which is super popular, lifemathmoney.com. I run a page to collect newsletter subscriptions. Then I have a website for the Book of Pook, which is bookofpook.com, socialskillswisdom.com, and a bunch of other websites, which are like landing pages, sales pages, like theartoftwitter.com and theimaudiobook.com, etc. So a lot of landing pages, stores, and blogs, etc. Mm-hmm. So I have a ton of sites. I have a lot of experience in this and I've been hacked two, three times. So I know what to do to protect yourself. Yeah, I'm asking these basic questions because I think there's probably some listeners who are on the verge of getting a website, but they're having a lot of basic questions like, well, what use is it going to serve me? Do I need it for my type of business? Or- oh, so that has to come from you in the sense that if you're asking what use a website is going to be for you, then you're at the wrong place because this is like, you know, going to a restaurant, Arman, and then asking what uses food? Like, come here when you're hungry. Right, right. And personally for me, if you guys are thinking about getting a website, one thing that's very under-talked about the website is just having a body of work in public. I mean, there's been so many clients I've had that took some time to check out ArmaniTalks.com read a lot of my articles, listened to some of my podcasts, understood my philosophy. And that's when they were like, you know what? I trust this guy. I want to work with this guy. And they're over here selling themselves when, let's say I'm on vacation. So your website is up 24-7 and it makes you think about time in a completely different way. So I definitely recommend you check out Harsh's class when it gets launched. I know you're going to explain it in a simple way where the common person can understand. And that's going to help. Yeah, it's going to be super useful for noobs at least. So how is your website doing? Are you writing more on it or are you focusing more on your newsletter? No, I write on my blog three times a week. Every 
Sundays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, you can expect a new article. And I discuss uh, the core soft skills, which range from public speaking, storytelling, emotional resilience, etc. And for me thus far, it's been doing great, mainly because I give people a peek of my products. And then over time, the blogs rank organically and they'll bring in more organic traffic. It'll create more uh, email signups, book sales, etc. So, mm. yeah, I mean, the ArmaniTalks.com website is a big part of my brand. And, you know, I know you've altered from the strategy, but to this day, it's still like my restaurant. I build, <laughs> I build everything to get people to my website and then eventually get them to my newsletter. So are you still using Wix or did you move to WordPress? WordPress. Uh, how was your experience with Wix? I've never used it, but it doesn't seem so good. It wasn't called Wix. It was called something else. Um, what was it called before? I forgot the name, but it mainly focuses <laughs> on static pages. So when I first started my website, I wasn't ever going to blog. I was just going to have a few articles up there and predominantly use it to get more clients. But as the Armani Talks brand evolved, I was like, you know, blogging can be something that helps. And that's when I switched from static pages to WordPress. Ah, I see what you mean. So what are your plans, Armand, for for your... Sorry, go ahead. You've always been on WordPress, right? Always been on WordPress. Uh Uh-huh. I do use Card for... You know what Card is, right? C-A-R-R-D.co. Mm-hmm. for some single page sites like my newsletter sign up page but usually i stick to wordpress because it's really easy to use has all of the plugins etc what are your plans though arman with the whole online business thing do you intend to continue working the job or do you intend to move online full-time well right now i mean i am pretty much full-time uh, i have a practice in tampa where i work with clients offline uh, i have Tons of content on the ArmaniTalks.com page, which ranges from classes, uh, books, videos, ad revenue, etc. And I'm pretty much, you know, it's probably not the most phenomenal way to say it, but I'm just going to be doing the same thing more. I'm going to be creating more content, working with more clients and develop more experience in this field. Ah, I see. So you are not working as an engineer anymore. Right. So, I mean, every now and then, you know, I I still get my old job contacting me, uh, but predominantly I focus on Armani Talks now. Oh, that's good. I'm so happy for you that you made the leap. Yeah, I made the leap a while back. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Yourself, do you, you've been full-time life math money, right? It's one of my businesses. I also run an affiliate marketing company and currently I'm focusing on growing Teach Yourself Crypto as a complete software company or, you know, an education company for cryptocurrency related topics. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually I also want to start more companies. So I do a lot of things. Life Math Money is one of them. And this is closer to a hobby come business, say. Right. So you're creating this atmosphere of businesses that are are they all separate or do they connect with one another sometimes they connect but a lot of it is separate for example life math money is about self-improvement and 
living your best life, getting rich, getting fit, getting smarter. Whereas Teach Yourself Crypto is about learning about cryptocurrencies and how they fit into the world and how they're going to change the world. And there is a middle ground there somewhere because life math money is about making more money as well. And mm-hmm. crypto is the future of money. You see what I mean? So there is some middle ground, but it isn't like overlapping way too much. I will say that I've gotten to a point where I just, I don't really, I don't particularly care about money in the sense that I make more money in two weeks than I spend all year. And I don't spend, I'm not a miser, like I spend when I want to. So I just build things that I like, enjoy, and I think would be useful to the world. So I really care about crypto. So I built a service related to crypto. And if I had not, well, initially, like it wasn't supposed to be a business, right? I remember, I if you remember, I told you it's like, it's a project for fun. And mm-hmm. we're going to just build a course in crypto. But then we figured out how to turn it into a business. That is, we're going to sell certificates. You can do the course and if you pay us 20, 30 bucks, you can take an exam and then you can, you get a certificate which you can put on your resume, LinkedIn, wherever else you like. And it might help you get a job or at least it'll help your resume look better and stand out. There's definitely value there. So it went from something that I was doing for fun to something that started making money. And that's how a lot of, or I would say almost all of my businesses have come from. Life math money itself was a hobby, but mm-hmm. then it blew up and started doing really well. And then I came up with the art of Twitter and live intentionally, the I am audiobook, etc. So once I figured out that people liked it, people needed more, then I could, you know, monetize it a bit. So that's where all of my businesses have come from. So it's not particularly with the desire just to make money. It just happens to make money because it does well. That's a very strong insight because, I mean, you're talking about intent because your intent, if I'm just summarizing what you said, is Mm -hmm. typically you enjoy what you're doing first, starts off as a hobby, and then over time it unwraps as something that has monetization opportunities. Yeah, it just turns out that way because I don't always intend for it to be monetizable. For Life Math Money, I knew if it was successful, I could monetize it by eBooks. But with TYC, that is Teach Yourself Crypto, I had zero idea of how it could be monetized when I started it. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about monetizing it at all. But eventually it just hit me, hey, people are doing the course anyway. And I've had some people ask me if there's a way they can get a certificate. Maybe we could like charge a small amount and generate a certificate for them and take an exam. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm -hmm. So. It was just one thing that led to the other. I didn't have like a concrete plan when I started TYC. So that's how things have been so far. It might change in the future. I might actually start a business from the beginning. But so far, it's just been things I did for fun. And then I monetized them. Right. Do you have a team? So for me, I mean, it's always been the same thing where I first try to solve my own problems. And over time, it becomes a monetization opportunity. I mean, for Armani Talks, when I restarted Toastmasters in June 2018, 
I was pretty much just writing tweets just to keep myself accountable and clarify my ideas. And over time, I mean, the Twitter page started to grow. As more time went on by, I started to get DMs from different people from around the world asking me to help them with their best man speech. So as soon as that happened, I was like, whoa, this could be turned into a business. And as more time went on by, when I released a book and people were buying it, even when I was in present, I was like, man, imagine if I have 50 of these books or, or about 100 of these books. And it just started to unravel from there. So I'm very similar, Harsh. I didn't have the monetization strategy in the beginning, but it started to unveil itself the more that I worked on solving my own problems. I see. So what is your broader goal? What are you trying to accomplish, if I may ask? Um, and so that question is difficult to answer because things move so fast nowadays. But nowadays, my goal is to make Armani Talks more so a media company, a publishing model where I'm consistent in posting useful content. And I also work with clients, but that's more so I work with like one or two clients a month now. My, my main focus is it to have that publishing model style. Ah, I see. But I'm dynamic where I don't want to just say like, this is going to be the plan forever. I mean, if you asked me two years ago, this was just going to be a consulting business. But nowadays it's evolved into something different. So that's where I believe in general goals over overly specific goals. Because general goals keep you nimble and it makes you easy to adapt. True. How about with you and Life Mad Money? I mean, are you pretty much the same as you were 2018 in terms of vision for it? Or have you changed it? The current, or evolved it? The vision for it has, for the past couple of years at least, and I think for the future as well, is to bring about a cultural change in the world. For example, the current culture of the world is heading towards extreme degeneracy, a lot of nonsense like injecting kids with hormones and like preventing them from getting puberty, transgenderism, etc., Life math money is returning to the roots of civilization. What things actually work, returning to the ideals of honor, strength, integrity, and things like that. So it's it's a cultural revolution, I would say. And you know, this is just the start. There is a lot more to come. We're going to change the world. Awesome. Oh, okay, so you're talking about it from a like a purpose based viewpoint. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Initially, when you asked the question, I thought you were talking about business model, but I, uh, I really like how you phrase the question. I, and if we're talking about purpose, I mean, the thing with Armani Talks, the brand overall, is to get more people communicating their ideas. I mean, since I started the brand in 2018, I mean, I would say I've been responsible for helping at least 50 plus people start their YouTube channels, which ended up growing in their own industry. I got tons of people to join Toastmasters, overcome public speaking anxiety, uh, start journaling, and much more. So, I mean, the ultimate vision for Armani Talks is getting more people to feel comfortable articulating their ideas. Because nowadays, I mean, we're transitioning into a creator's economy where articulating your ideas eventually isn't even going to be a choice. 
you're going to have to do it in one way, shape, or form, whether it's for your corporate atmosphere or if you're trying to become an entrepreneur. And I want Armani Talks, the brand, to help people understand that there are systems and frameworks to learn how to speak, write, read, and consume information. Hmm. So it's been a journey, man. I mean, let's just put it like that. It's been a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Who is the best communicator you admire historically or some book author? Like, what is the best book on communication that you have found? So book on communication, I mean, I would definitely recommend checking out my mentor's public speaking book, uh, Joey Yazbek. It's called No Fear Speaking. I worked with him in June 2018, and he used to be, uh, I mean, he's very well acclaimed, global speaker, used to be a Broadway singer, and does some acting. So he tackles public speaking from a completely different lens. So Joey Yazbek, in terms of communication skills, now in terms of who is one of the best communicators I've seen, I mean, I don't want to go back to him again, but I have been pretty consistent with the response whenever I'm asked it in interviews. I got to say Jeff Bezos. I think his ability to turn complex topics into simplicity and be a tad bit goofy at the same time <laughs> makes his, yeah, I mean, he's pretty goofy. And there's something about him that I think shows that he knows his stuff, but he knows how to articulate it as well. Where I think Elon Musk is a genius as well. But whenever he's speaking, there are times where he's so smart to a point where he finds it difficult to clarify the ideas. Where Jeff Bezos, he can clarify his ideas where I'm like, look, I completely understand what you're trying to say. So it's Jeff Bezos, and I would even throw Steve Jobs in there. Hmm, I agree about Jeff Bezos. I haven't heard a lot of Steve Jobs. I've heard a speech of him, which is really, really good. I think it was he was speaking to a bunch of university students about, and I remember he mentioned calligraphy, where he was like, I learned something that I thought was never useful, but it turned out useful to me where I was when I was designing fonts for the Mac, I knew how to make fonts look beautiful. And that is why the Mac has beautiful fonts. It was because I learned this useless calligraphy. And I've had that experience a lot of times in my life where I learned something useless and it turned out to be really, really good for me. Like You have an example? Life Math Money itself was me learning how to set up a website on AWS. And uh-huh. then I thought, okay, I just set it up I just set up this website. Let me write some articles. And that's how Life Math Money started. So initially, you weren't expecting the two dots to connect. No, it was just, I I had used websites before with, you know, GoDaddy and Bluehost, but they are very amateurish, right? They're very, they're very handholdy type web hosts. Mm-hmm. AWS I'd heard is more complex and you know all the big companies use it etc so I wanted to learn how to build a website on AWS so I did I built a site on AWS and then I thought hey let me write up some articles let's let's give this a run like I built the car let's drive it so that's how life math money was like built like earlier, I did have Life Math Money, but it was like a personal blogish thing back in 2017. 
where I wrote up a couple of articles and then I forgot about it. And when I built the site, I thought, hey, let me like use this domain life math money here and write real articles, not just random stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's how life math money was born. And I've had a lot of other occurrences of me learning something random and it turns out to be really useful. For example, I le- I stopped using Windows back in 2013. And mm-hmm. I've almost exclusively used Linux after that. And one thing I learned when I was learning Linux was I downloaded, I, from the darknet, I downloaded a file called GPG Manual. This is a manual on how to set up cryptography stuff like how to set up your own private key, how to set up an RSA email, etc. How you can send an encrypted email, how to encrypt a message, how to decrypt a message, how to sign something. And all of this was really useful to me when I was learning about Bitcoin. Because mm-hmm. I knew all of this stuff. I knew what a signed message looked like, what an unsigned message looked like, how to make a signature, how to verify a signature, how to get GNUPG keys, etc. So all of this was really useful. And learning Linux over time was also really useful for me when I was setting up the back end of my own web servers. Because if you don't know Linux, it's really difficult to operate without something like cPanel, etc. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, which I never thought would be relevant, eventually found a way back to me. Isn't that strange? It's like yeah, all it knowledge really is connected. Is well, it's you never know when you need something. Uh-huh. So recently I went to an entire thing where I learned, you know, I, I thought about the same thing where I needed all this information, but I never knew I would need it, but I learned it anyway. So I went to an entire training about fire safety, where how well how to use a fire extinguisher, how to like so you know it's not as simple as you might think. It's not just something you pick it up and press a button. You have to mm-hmm. remove a pin first. There's a pin and you can't use it without the pin. Mm-hmm. You have to remove the pin. Then you have to remove the plastic, which prevents it from being pressed. Then you don't have to hold it from the back. You have to hold it right at the nozzle. Because if you don't, the nozzle, it the spray comes out at such a high pressure that it's going to make the nozzle fly everywhere. And the entire huge fire extinguisher, that thing lasts for 20, 25 seconds. So if you waste it, you're screwed. So you have to hold it right at the nozzle and then press it. So I haven't had the misfortune of having to use it yet, but mm-hmm. I might. So I learned But it. you know how. Yeah, now I know how. But if I hadn't learned it, I just didn't. Like, I would have wasted the entire container. Like I would have first spent three minutes figuring out how to remove the pen. <laughs> then I would have not held it, at, held it at the nozzle. So it would not have pointed at the fire. And uh-huh. then it, the fire would not have become extinguished. Like if you point it wrong and you you still like spray it around. It won't make the fire go away. I tried that. So if you point it right above the fire, not at the base, like it'll make the fire smaller. But once the extinguisher ends in just 20 seconds, the entire big thing, the fire will just rise back up. So you, you would have just... You went to a class waste. for this? Yeah, I went to a class for this. You paid like, for it or it was free? Oh, it was free. They were just doing it as like a public service thing. And I went. The oh. thing is that... I and there were only like a very small number of people there because most people don't care. Like they think they'll figure it out and it, it's never going to happen to them. And I get it. I I get that attitude too, but I went there and very, very few people come for these things. Right. I'll tell you what, like I learned a lot of interesting things. Like for example, if you have a fire, let's say that oil is burning in your kitchen 
what would your first reaction be arman so i know the wrong answer but i want to play along anyways throw water on it yeah it's the wrong answer like you said because what what would happen is that it'll make the oil splash on you mhm and then it'll burn you it'll give you second third degree burns like the way you deal with an oil fire is you just have to cover it with like a wet towel or ideally a fiberglass blanket which you should buy and keep in your kitchen so you have a one fiberglass blanket is a blanket made out of a material which doesn't burn so you can use it to cover a fire safely so apparently people try a lot of dumb things which the guy said like trying to throw sand in it etc because by the time you get sand the fire is going to increase so you have to first turn off the gas and then cover it with something so it doesn't spread and like cut off the oxygen supply and then wait for about half an hour or to one hour for it to completely cool down some people just like you know in 30 40 seconds they see the fire is gone away and then they remove the towel and the fire starts again because it's still hot mhm and fat takes a while to cool down interesting I did not think we were going to be speaking about this when we started the episode today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting stuff. For example, a lot of you know, the guy was saying that a lot of accidents happen in the kitchen because of those bug sprays. So if you have your kitchen cooking on, the fire is on, and then you're like killing mosquitoes with the spray around, that mm-hmm. spray is a combustible. It catches fire. It becomes like a flamethrower. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. and sometimes the bottle explodes like the flame goes inside and the bottle of the spray explodes and the contents spill all over the person and give them very deep burns so don't use those bug sprays in your kitchen while you're cooking or have a fire man this section of the episode may save a lot of lives <laughs> i no, hope so. i actually i didn't know that There's also stuff about hey, what happens. What do you do after you've gotten burnt? Let's say that your skin is burnt. So what do you do? Call a doctor. No, but like on the way to the doctor, like what do you do? Because if you just leave, then you're gonna get you're gonna get infected. A lot of people die not from the burn, but from the infection. Because your skin is removed, you are very vulnerable to being infected. Do you spray alcohol on it? No, because that's gonna burn and you know sting a lot. Uh huh. So you're supposed to just wash it with regular temperature water, not cold water because that makes the skin shrivel and that it's going to sting a lot and not hot water. So just regular water because you want the heat to escape. You don't want to do things like put egg on it etc which a lot of people were tra- saying you should do because that makes a layer it kind of insulates that area and it doesn't let the heat escape the flesh. So cold water like sorry not cold water regular temperature water is the best solution and then you cover it in a clean bandaid and then you go to the hospital See I would have But never the, known that Yeah so apparently a lot of people make their burns worse by doing random stuff like putting you know things like haldi and you know onion and what not on it and the guy said that in the burn center we received victims which could have been saved had they not done all of this nonsense on themselves because once like if you get it to the point where it's completely burned and the nerve is damaged then your hand has to be cut off ah uh. so 
you can mess it up and the best solution what the guy to says is normal temperature water and then cover with a cloth is there anything else we should know mm, let me think this was a while ago so yeah so if you have an electrical fire let's say your computer is burning turn the electricity off before you spray it um with the fire extinguisher because the fire extinguisher is going to reduce the temperature like especially the carbon dioxide one and that makes electricity travel faster apparently i i don't know you might know this more since you're an engineer mhm so if it's colder electricity travels faster is that true right right that's why a lot of people put their batteries in the fridge it, oh, it lasts it? longer that's it interesting i thought batteries like don't last as much if they're like cold i don't know if that's something you don't want you don't want to quote me on because there's different engineering knowledge out there that's something that i don't know too much about uh i don't know i'm just saying because i remember i bought a gopro and the gopro my yeah i have a gopro now gopro 10 and the reviews say that if you are traveling to a cold place the batteries won't last as long as you know a normal temperature are you someone who likes to travel a lot Yeah, I travel a lot lately. I never like I wasn't like doing this before, but in the lockdowns I decided to travel more. Mhm. Can you swim? Yes. Okay, because I know a lot of people buy GoPros and they go underwater with it. Have you tried mm-hmm. that? Snorkeling? Not yet. So far I've just like gone on a couple of trips and I've carried the GoPro and I I'm using the footage for my podcast. So if you go to life math money sorry, um youtube.com/lifemathmoney A lot of the podcast footage was shot by me. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the reason I bought a GoPro was that in the iPhone what happens is that the stabilization is not so good. So if you're holding the iPhone and walking, it's going to make the entire camera shake. But GoPro has something called HyperSmooth, which kind of makes the footage look much smoother. It also Wait, so has the so replaceable batteries, etc. for how to be a more interesting person you recorded that footage yeah for all of the previous 6 7 podcasts they're all me that's dope i was watching that i didn't know if that's the story behind that oh you did you like the podcast i liked it i'm happy it's a nice to hear vibe that. expert approved <laughs> <laughs> so this is what it's like in india Yeah, India is beautiful. You should come here. You mm-hmm. are from India. You should come here. <laughs> so, I, I know we, we talk about that, but I've been there when it's Bangladesh, but I haven't been to India though. That's where Bangladesh my parents did their honeymoon. Bangladesh is a part of India. That's where my parents did their honeymoon. Oh, is it interesting? I don't know the exact parts in India that they went, but there's um, I saw a lot of pictures. How far is the Taj Mahal from you? I don't want to dox myself. Or have you been to the Taj Mahal? I don't want to dox myself. Okay. Uh but not really. Just... No, no. Oh no, I haven't been to the Taj Mahal, no. Okay, let's switch topics because I don't <laughs> I don't want <laughs> I don't want this episode to incriminate you. So tell uh, me Arman, what have you learned that you did not think would be useful to you? That ended up being useful to you. So, in one of our past episodes, did I talk about farming? Mhm. I really talked about that. 
I don't think so, but tell me more. Okay, so I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but one day I got super curious about farming because with content, I noticed that it requires a long-term approach depending on your strategy. So I started Googling and YouTubing all these different podcasters that talk about farming. And apparently there's a big community for it. So I was watching some interviews and they were talking about the whole process of planting different seeds and how you don't know which seed is going to take off and how you have to be able to weather the storm and how you need to wait to reap the rewards. And as they were talking about farming, I started to notice this stunning parallel between that and content, where for me, anytime that I create a blog, for example, it's like me planting the seed. And then me search engine optimizing it is sort of like me watering it. And then as some time starts to go on by, this seed starts to blossom into traffic and that traffic starts to blossom into cash flow. But it's not something that happens immediately. It's something that requires a long-term approach. So for the next couple of weeks, I was learning about farming and I was learning so much more about content marketing from that strategy. Isn't that crazy? So it's like we used to have the agrarian age, which was the farming age, then the industrial age, and then the information age. And I noticed that content is a connection of all three of those ages in one. So nowadays, content is like a digital seed. And that's how I've just been approaching their whole Armani Talks brand, where a podcast that I did, I would say a year and a half ago, is nowadays finally blossoming and bringing me in book sales or a new client, etc. So that's just one topic, uh, farming, which I would have never ex- expected to connect to my business. Did you try growing something? Yeah, so back at home in West Palm Beach, I grew, like, my dad gave me this tiny tree and I grew it, or I just planted it in my backyard a couple of years back. And nowadays, it's one of the biggest trees in my backyard. So I can see how something small turns into something big, but you need long-term thinking. Mm. You know what a friend of mine did? Hmm. He bought an acre of land right outside the city. And he hired a guy, basically, to farm on it. So now he gets a lot of organic, real organic food that grows on his farm delivered to his house. So he has two guys. One is a farmer and one is a security guy. Mm -hmm. And the farmer guy will farm. I think, I don't know if it's like a full acre or a half acre. I've been only there only once. So the farmer guy will, like, he's planted all these trees and a lot of crops and all the vegetables etc grow there and the farmer guy every sunday will take cut some of the harvest like he'll harvest some and then deliver it to this guy's house in the city wow. and then he also bought like a desi cow there like two cows and he's keeping them for the milk etc so that's really cool i would like to do that i heard a farmer once say if you want to read the mind of God, become a farmer because you're the closest to its creation. And when I heard that, I thought farmers must have a completely different view of life than we do. That's initially what I was thinking. But when I was watching a lot of these interviews with farmers, they're modern. I mean, they have new technology, new processes. They're not just these guys riding old school tractors. They have a lot of in-depth processes, which are modern. 
Yeah, I don't know if that sentence is true or not because I happen to know a lot of farmers because my father was a farmer, right? Oh, yeah. So you want to talk more about that? Yeah, I don't think a lot of farmers are super interesting people. They just farm and live their life and, you know, they aren't like super knowledgeable about a lot of topics. They typically only care about either their farm or some way to make extra money or some way, like some political stuff, etc. They're not like very wise or intelligent in any way, at least in my experience. Some well, are of you them talking about are, new age farmers though? I'm I'll talking about a farming podcast. Okay. Like, what do you mean by new age farmers? Those are just businessmen, don't you think? Well, see, this is this is what I was initially thinking. But after watching a lot of these podcasts and uh, these content with the farmers for the past couple of months, I've seen that not only do they understand the craft of farming, but they view it as a business as well. Yes. But it's much different than initially what I was expecting, Like where these guys are very interesting people. But I think mm. you're having the experience with rural India farmers. Yeah, 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 rural India. You know what I think um, who really fits a description of being very close to what God created? Mm. Biologists. The people Ooh. who study cellular biology and cells and how the brain works and how basically humans and all living organisms operate down to the cellular level that's where you really see well divine intervention right i'm reading this book by bruce lipton called the biology of belief have you ever heard of bruce lipton no i have not so he's a he's an interesting guy he talks about biology in a way where the common folk can understand it and he uses a lot of these analogies that make you understand this field on a much deeper basis. So I do agree with you. I mean, biology is one of those fields that that connects you with who you are. There's, There's another saying, field. I think, where I, I don't know if it's about biology or not, where when you start like learning evolutionary biology, mm-hmm. you think God is bullshit. And when you end it, you find God again because some things are just so unique and complex that the thought is that those things could not have been made by evolution or nature. Like right. the, the, the quote goes something like, at the bottom of the class, there is God. Let me, let me get the actual quote. I don't want to misquote someone. <laughs> at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting. Okay, yeah. So, this is a quote by someone called Werner Heisenberg. So, the first gulp from the glass of natural scientists, not natural sciences, will turn you into an atheist. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. Mm. So, it's like when you start, you tend to like question everything that you were told previously about God, right? And you're all science, science, science. This needs proof. That needs proof. But when you actually become an expert, you see that there are so many complexities where you might actually start thinking that this is a divine creation and not something that just happened. Right. Because now you have 
view of the bigger picture. Yeah, although my counter in the sense that um, I can give an analogy where it's it's very similar, but we know it for sure that it's man-made. And that is the computers we are using today, where we have really complex silicon microchips that are incredibly complex. I can't even begin to explain how complex they are, how many layers we have. For example, the software we are using first, there is software. It was written in a high-level language, like Python or whatever. Then it was translated to a low-level language. And then it was translated to assembly language. And then it was run on, say, the the microsystem, the processor, which itself is a really, really complex device. It interacts with the RAM. It interacts with the screen you have, etc. And if you were to put someone who is not familiar with technology, he would say that a computer was created by God because of how complex it is. I don't but think they'd say I don't think they say it was created by God, but I think they'd say it was created by something. If you just say yeah. this computer just ended up like this, I think that would be ridiculous. But I think if you say, no, no, this was definitely created by something, then that would make logical sense. Because of the complexity. I didn't get you. Uh, but what I mean to say is that it's so complex that like it it for example, if someone who is not familiar with the history of computers and how they were made and is just like looking at them for the first time, they will say that this is a natural this this can't possibly be made by humans. It's way too complex. It's like so complex, it's ridiculous. And the complexities keep piling up. And then let's say that someone finds a way, like this guy finds a way to take a microscope and look at the microprocessor itself. And then he's seeing the DNA that is the NAND gates and how they connect, how electricity travels in a path, etc. Then he takes a microscope and looks at the hard disk drive and how data is stored, how it's being picked up and how everything is interacting and how your operating system is working from start to end. I don't think such a person would conclude that humans came up with this over a period of 100 short years. I don't think that would be his conclusion at all. Mm-hmm. So that's where I disagree. I think if you're somewhat of a knowledgeable person, if you see some sort of design, whether it's a computer, whether it's a tractor, whether it's any form of engineering product, if you're somewhat knowledgeable, you're going to be like, there was an engineer to this product. So I think... I if think- you tractors are far too simple to compare to a computer computer I'm, I'm not even joking it's a really complex machine that has layers upon layers of abstraction oh yeah it's yeah. a lot like human life like in the sense that maybe you know maybe just maybe if some creature was alive 10 million years ago and they witnessed how the first life came into the picture and then they witnessed um, how do I put it, the evolution of the first amphibians all the way to humans, then they would conclude that it's all evolution. But since we are here today, we haven't witnessed all of that. We are the equivalent of someone who's looking at the computer as they exist in 2022 without witnessing all the incremental improvements over the last 100 years and the whole concept of computers, someone proposing it, etc. And they might just think, God made computers. But go ahead, sorry. 
Well, here's here's the reason that I normally don't just go to God first when talking about this, because immediately when you use the phrase God, it starts to create, whether you're consciously aware of it or not, it starts to create a lot of these programs that's saying, oh, my God versus this God, etc. So what I like to just say is creator and created. And I think most people that, let's say they're not even familiar with computers. Like I've studied computers, like, you know, I used to be, uh, do engineering with computers, etc. I understand like the complexities of it, where it's sort of like a nervous system, but in a digital format. But ultimately, if someone came up to me and it's just like, this computer has always been here, I would be like, no, I'm pretty sure that there were iterations of work which led to this. Any complex system is not just created out of the blue moon. Uh, traditionally, when people are thinking of like inventions, they're thinking about a mad scientist in a lab creating something out of the blue moon. That's not how Arman, it works in the Arman, real world. That's what I'm telling you. It's not, it's not that. No, it's not someone's claiming that it's been around forever. Computers no, no, have but, also evolved. So it's like just how humans have evolved from you know aquatic animals and you know, bacteria, viruses from millions of years, like single cellular organisms. How does the process not, can, why can't the process also apply to computers where well, that's single cell computers? Well, that's what I'm saying. With computers, I'm basically saying that a rational person is going to say, yes, there was a creator. And by creator, I don't just mean that there was one guy that created. I'm saying that it was a series of steps that connected the parts and the processes together. So with humans, if someone just says, oh no, humans have always been here or the parts and the components were just always here and there was nothing before, I'm like, so you're saying there's no creator. Do you see what I'm saying? Where I don't know if we're talking around each other or yeah, I don't, are we I on don't the same page? Are you trying to convey that, um, say someone who might not be aware of evolution um, might assume that there is no creator. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. So back to what you were initially saying, let's say someone sees a computer for the first time. You're okay. saying that if this guy doesn't know anything about the computer, they're going to be like, God made it. Yeah. Where I'm saying, I don't think a rational person would say that. I think they'd say that there was a bunch of creators who made it. You know, what I, what, sorry, what I mean to say is if someone didn't know anything about humans and anything about computers, let's say that they're a kid, they're just born, they might assume that just how humans exist, computers exist in nature. But go ahead. Okay. So, I mean, I don't necessarily know what to say to that because, I mean, I, I think that's just a different fundamental belief from us where... Let's just put it down to co complex systems. I think anything that you eventually study will have be complex systems, where a complex system has three different components. It has a creator, parts, and processes. And all I'm trying to say is that if you scope back all the way to the universe, eventually you're going to see that there's parts and processes. And I think if you extend that logic back a little bit further, that creator that different people are referring to as God, it just makes sense for a complex system logic to hold true. Hmm. But it's, a fun discussion. Not, it's, it's not necessary to have a creator, right? For example, let me give you an example. The water cycle, like water evaporates, 
it becomes clouds, then it rains, and then it finds its way back in the ocean. That's a process, correct. So, but that there's no creator, it's just how things happened. Mars doesn't have it, Earth does, and that's because we got lucky. So, complex systems have a thing called emergence, and emergence are phenomena that you can't initially expect. So just to give you an example, let's say Life Math Money releases a book and promotes it on his blog. Over time, there's going to be the emergence of money. Now, if someone was to say that that money just came out of the blue moon, it's not something that logically holds true. But you can't necessarily predict the money from two separate beings, such as content and your book. The money is a completely different state. So what you're pretty much explaining, the whole process of like the water flow, that's an emergence. But for the emergence to occur, a complex system needs to be there before. A complex system, if you break that apart, has parts, processes, and a creator. A mm. complex system doesn't just make itself out of the blue moon. And this is something that I think naturalists try to say. They'll say, Oh, okay, just randomly happened. But if you look at the mathematical certainty of that randomly happening, it's very little. It's kind of like saying that a book just wrote itself. It's like, yeah, I mean, you could have certain like of these random letter generators to create a book, but the likelihood of that happening is very, very unlikely. There's most likely a storyteller that's involved. You're going to piss off a lot of religious people with that one, Arman. <laughs> no, I'm actually, they, they should they should be like, oh, whoa, that's actually pretty good. I think I'll piss off atheists who are like, oh, no, no, we can't necessarily tell. But I think no, no, religious... the whole thing where a book can't be written on its own. Someone has to oh, write yeah. it. So, so one thing that I've been thinking about more, like how, um, you have you heard of simulation theory? I'm familiar with it. Or they say that we live in a simulation. Yeah, I've heard of. Yeah, I know what what you're talking about completely. Yeah, I think another theory that's going to become more popular is like story theory, where we live in a story. Then it would make sense because whenever I hear DNA being described, it it seems like words. In what I, way? It's it's because the DNA by itself it's structured in a certain way to create meaning, and oftentimes when I hear biologists talking about DNA, they're using the analogies of words. And sometimes I'm writing a book, and as I'm writing the book, I'm creating these uh, different words in a strategic way, where it looks like if you zoom out all the way, it's tiny little people. So I wonder if right now physicists are working on a big theory of everything. I wonder once they reach that big theory of everything, if they're going to realize we live in a story. Or I know in your side of the world, that's one thing that is a popular belief. I believe they call it, what, like Maya or Leela? Yeah, it doesn't mean what you're saying, though. Uh, Maya means illusion and Leela means a fable. Leela, but doesn't Leela also imply that? Leela means a story, basically. It doesn't mean a fable. It just means like... You know, a story of someone. Well, that's one definition, but I heard another one is like, it's the, like, why did God create this um, this world? Is because of a story, of a drama. 
I don't know. I, I I haven't heard of that one. I think what you're trying to say is basically like if I understand your point correctly, if you what you're saying is that if you take this history of the universe down to the Big Bang, probably mm-hmm. some creator created the Big Bang, and that's how it all started. Yeah. Well, prior to the Big Bang, what was there? And that's when the metaphysical part immediately starts okay. to register. Because we don't necessarily, like the whole theory of evolution, all that, that's assuming after the Big Bang, correct? Exactly. Right. So my question is, what about before? Yeah, we don't know. Interesting topics, man. Um, what I else don't is know. New? Yeah, it's actually really interesting to me. I, I would like, I would love to learn more about what about before. And also, how in the sense that if you have a lot of matter at one place it becomes a black hole right because of gravity so then why did it why did it why did it explode mm-hmm. like, like, from what i understand if you compress a lot of matter together its gravity becomes so strong that it starts sucking everything towards itself even light and that's how it becomes a black hole so now you have all of the universe's matter in one place in a tiny little, little circle. So why did it explode? Why didn't it why did it not just like become a black hole? So mm. that's that's something I've wondered. And to be honest, I haven't really looked much into it. I will when I have more time. <laughs> uh yeah, it's something I sometimes I just get sucked into it and I just spend a couple of hours exploring the whole something completely unrelated, like how does Jupiter work and things like that. But that's, you ever see Sorry, what? You ever see it connecting to Life Math Money somehow? Not yet. Maybe <laughs> in the future. It's always fascinated me. Even as a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. And the whole thing about space has always always been very, very fascinating for me. I would love to learn more about it. In fact, if someone has a good course or documentaries, etc., please leave them in this in the description. I would love to watch them. So, what age or what made you curious about space when you were a little kid? I don't remember. Because I just liked I, it ever since the beginning. Maybe just yep. the visuals. For me personally, like any movie that's about space, I've always resonated with it. So I wonder if it's something primal within people to just wonder about space. Yeah, I guess so. Because it's just so far away. And you can see it. So you know it exists. Like you mm-hmm. can see the stars, the moon, the sun. But you can't go there. So it's like it's like seeing a really, really hot chick all the time. But never being able to say hello. Mm. Like to give an a give a more adult analogy so it's something that's denied to humans in a way it's being teased by the world but it's denied to you you can't actually go there no matter how much you try so far so it's like blue balls you ever heard of that phrase yeah i know what that is. <laughs> i've dealt with that a lot of times because really? when i do no fap yeah uh-huh when you do no fap you're like not jacking off right so, right Sometimes it's just something you have to deal with. What's the, like in India, I'm just curious, 
what's it like with like having guy friends or girlfriends? Like, can a guy and a girl be friends in India, or is it normally if they're hanging out, there's something deeper going on? Oh, they can be friends in India nowadays. It's very common. Mm-hmm. Earlier, say thirty years ago, it was very uncommon. But nowadays, it's very, very common. So it's it's a complete it's it's a it's very westernized, right? There's this hilarious podcast called Fresh and Fit. Have you ever heard of it? I have seen some snippets of it, but those snippets were just attacking. There's two black guys running it, I think, right? Right. And yeah, so I've only heard about it, but people were just attacking it, like calling them fake alphas or like harassing women or something. I don't really know. Yeah, they go mainstream every now and then, and it's for something negative. But they have this section of the show where they'll ask their female panelists, can men and women be friends? And every now and then, a woman is like, oh, yeah, of course they can. So that's when they have uh, the girl call her uh, guy best friend and say, hey, uh, what are you doing right now? Uh, I want to hook up with you. And it's hilarious because nine out of the ten times, the guys are like, all right, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't play with your food, you know. I think guys and girls can be friends so long as the guy and the girl are not like attracted to each other. In the sense that if you're physically not attracted to someone, like if they're ugly or not your type or whatever, then you can be friends, but otherwise not really. Like you can be superficial friends, but not like deep, deep friends. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about this one because, I mean, obviously I have family friends, which I never think anything about with, but I'm talking about there's certain times where in that show, the guy and girl will be friends for 12 plus years. And the girl's like, trust me, even if I offer him some, uh, he's going to say no. Just trust me on this one. And time and time again, when they're offered it, the guys are like, all right, sure. oh, what time? <laughs> but that's just how we are, you know. Just how guys are. You can't hold it against us. That's how God made us. Do you have any friends that are girls? I have lots of friends who are girls. Oh, I'm talking best friends? No, not best friends. Do you have best friends? I have lots of good friends, but not best friends. Oh, you don't have a best friend? I don't, I don't. But not. I said, but not best friends. Okay. I would say I have five really, really good friends. Five to How seven. How do you define a friend? I have like three friends who I trust in the sense, like three people I would consider like true friends in the sense that if I needed, let's say, if I needed $100,000 tomorrow or like in the next hour right away for an unexplained reason, who would give it to me? And if I needed a place to crash for a month and I won't like, I can't explain why I'm there, who will let me stay in their house? Mm-hmm. So I think there's like, two or maybe three guys who I know. So I would consider those three guys or two guys. The third one, I'm not that sure about. So let's say two for now to be my true friends in the sense that I could completely trust them. But other than that, I have friends who are somewhat an interest-based friend. For example, a friend who I play badminton with, a friend who I go swimming with, etc., so we are good friends. We have good rapper, but you know, in the event of an emergency, I would not bet on them 
to help me out a lot mm-hmm. outside of you know minor superficial help okay now, the, if i need a body buried like the guy, this guy will not come for me <laughs> so they're more acquaintances or no, level they're two friends. friends they're friends like they're somewhere between like true friend and an acquaintance okay like i know them well for example if i need a job and i need like someone to recommend me they're going to recommend me but like i can't get really big favors out of these guys and the opposite is also true i won't do big favors for them <laughs> so true friends you said you have three of them yeah but the third one is a bit iffy in the sense that i've never tested it so okay. i don't know for sure but i think so how long have you known these people more than 10 years okay so my definition of a best friend normally it happens after you spent multiple stages with this person so if you just met the person last week then they haven't seen you through multiple stages but let's say you've known the guy since high school they've seen you in high school in college and your work life that's three different stages and now they can become consideration for a best friend or a true friend that's my personal definition i think knowing someone for a very long time plays a role but some people can act like your friends or you know act like they're going to support you in the event of an emergency or something like that you know like be there for you when you need it the most mm-hmm. but when you actually try they don't they don't show up and that is where my second part of the definition comes in where <laughs> arman is prepared <laughs> yeah well i i wrote a blog about this i'll go ahead and post it in the description box so the second part is that you need to go through two emotions with the person and basically to dumb it down from the emotional tone scale one is a empowering emotion let's say you're traveling with the person or you guys have some positive memory and a dark emotion let's say your brother is the one who got sentenced to prison and this is the friend that's calling you up checking up on you so you experience two emotions with the person and this is normally where it's starting to zone away where tons of people are going to be like well yeah i mean i'll be there for you during the good times but the bad times i don't know about that for me personally i mean i don't have too many close friends i'm pretty uh, private and i keep my social circle small but the people that i'm close to i'm really close to them where they know a lot about me. We don't have to talk all the time. Like there will be months where we don't talk to each other, but mm-hmm. when we do talk, we pick up right where we left off. Do you see your true friends a lot or is it whatever yeah, you're Yeah, it's the same as what you said where, you know, some of them not, don't even live in the same city as me anymore. Mhm. But whenever we do talk, we're still close. I don't think guys need to like talk constantly to stay friends like we're not girls right Mhm I think do women you... have very superficial friends go ahead sorry Well do you have that one trait about you where you'll be cool with someone for a while and then you get so busy in your projects where you don't necessarily disappear but you're not staying in touch with everyone and then you can be social just like that like a light switch Or do you just sprinkle in social activities throughout your life? I would say a bit of both. A bit of both. I don't really it's not it's not binary in the sense that if I want to have fun and go out that's what I will do. Mhm. 
And I do also schedule in fun stuff across my day as well. It's just my definition of fun. Some people don't agree with it. (laughs) For example, I might consider reading a book fun, but a lot of people see it as work. Right. Do your true friends, are they all into self-improvement? Not all of them, no. Okay. Like They are, how do I put this? They have things going on for them and things is, you know, it's going well, life is doing good, but they aren't hardcore into self-development and self-improvement in the sense that they, they typically like enjoying life more. Let's put it that way. For example, if there's two options, one option is you can relax and enjoy the sunset. And the other option is go to the gym. Then I'm going to go to the gym and my friends will probably not. Mm-hmm. Even though they might just eat less and stay thin. So do you find it difficult to bond with them sometimes? Not particularly. I don't think people have to see eye to eye on everything, you know. Right. You don't have to be exactly like me to be friends with me. I'm saying, what do you guys do to chill? We build things. Nice. You know, Arman, have you ever heard that any friendship based on business is superior to any business based on friendship? I never heard it compared like that. I did hear that you shouldn't build... A business with your friends. Yeah, this is a quote from someone whom John D. Rockefeller is quoting. So it's a very meaningful quote, by the way. Like a business based on friendship is inferior to a friendship based on business. You need to have your incentives aligned. Let me give you an example, okay? For example, let's say that you are a supplier or let's say you are a manufacturer and you need a supplier, okay? So in such a case, let's say that you find a supplier and then you guys get together well and you basically become integrated. You just buy from this guy, he just sells to you and you have your product out in the market. Mm-hmm. And this supplier is going to loyally supply product to you. He's going to be on time because he is a businessman. At the end of the day, he also wants the same things as you, the business to succeed. So he's going to do everything right on time. As opposed to, say, you have a friend and both of you start a business, like you want to start a business. And what you do, what you do is say, I'm going to manufacture and you are going to be a supplier. And then what's going to happen, it's, it's, since it's based on friendship, you guys assume that since you are friends, you will compromise for each other. So for example, let's say the supplier was feeling lazy today. So he just doesn't show up. And then you are like, hey, my supply didn't come today. And the guy says, yeah, I just wasn't feeling so good. So if that happens, say, two, three times, then eventually you will find a different supplier, right? And what's going to happen then? You're going to have a fight. Friendship deteriorates. Yeah, because you guys were initially friends. On the other hand, if you guys were, if you met by a business, like if your friendship was based on business, then this problem would never have arrived. The guy would never have skipped would ne- never have skipped on delivering the supplies to you. And if you move to a different supplier, he would have understood that this is just business. It's not like a personal attack on you. So a friendship based on business is 
more stable, more superior to a business that is entirely based on friendship. I would say because this is one of the most accurate things I've ever heard. Have you ha- experienced something similar? Absolutely. So since you're putting it into words right now, I'm thinking, oh, wow. I didn't even know this was a quote where I learned this through just pain, where there were plenty of times when I worked with someone on business and we both were on the same page. We didn't know each other before the business, but we were both professionals. So we ended up cultivating this great relationship and it became long-term versus in my early ages, anytime I started a business with a friend, I noticed that over time, they'd start missing deadlines, getting lazy, and they wouldn't want to be told otherwise. And friendships deteriorated because I started a business with them. So what you're saying is pinpoint accurate, from my experience at least. Yeah, it's true. It's completely true. Have you ever experienced that? Not particularly, nothing in an not in an important sense, but I have experienced it in less important ventures. I would say, you know, for example, like you have a school project between two of you, and then the other guy just doesn't work as hard, and there's not much you can do about it because he just keeps getting mad. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. So what I'm saying is that. It's it's about when you base your friendship on common goals, you have less expectations of compromise from the other person or you don't take criticism personally because you have a common goal that you're trying to achieve. On the other hand, when you have just a friendship and then you try to like just do something because you guys are friends, then criticism stings and you know, people try to compromise in this and people expect like some kind of slack where since you guys are friends, you should accommodate me. Right. I think that happens a lot in relationships as well, especially the ones that are like based on the concept of romantic love. Uh, You want to expand? Sure. For example, like in arranged marriages in here in India, the expectation is that, well, you guys are building a marriage and then the duties of both the spouses are kind of delineated. For example, the woman takes, out, takes care of the house, the guy takes care of, you know, making money, etc. And they both are working towards a marriage and they have these common goals. So people don't slack off too much. On the other hand, what happens is, let's say in a Western marriage, um, you know, you start expecting slack. For example, the wife might just like focus too much on on her career and then be like, hey, but you love me, so you're supposed to support me, right? Even though you're hurting the common, common goal of your marriage. So when both the parties understand that you're together for a common goal and not just for your interpersonal relationship, your friendship or whatever, then things go more smooth than when you... Th- think the friendship itself is like just primary and everything else is like you're supposed to cut slack and you, you know what i mean like right accommodate me i'm like we're friends accommodate me mm-hmm. like that type of attitude eventually just destroys things i've seen this many times i mean the first time i saw it was you know it wasn't a serious business or anything it was just you know two college kids having fun but i noticed on craigslist 
you ever heard of Craigslist? Yes. Yeah. So there's this section called free, and this was roughly around 2009. So me and my buddy saw that so many people were just giving away free stuff, free TVs, free couches, free uh, table stands, etc. So we thought, how about we pick up the free stuff and we resell it on Craigslist for money? So this is what initially we were doing. My goal was to find where we were going to go, and we were going to use his truck. Uh, it started off pretty good within the first couple of weeks, but later on, I mean, he started to make excuses. He was like, "Oh no, not today, man. Today, uh, I'm feeling sick." I was like, "Okay." Then, like the next week, he's like, "Oh, today I'm feeling tired." And the third week, he's like, "Oh, today I'm feeling sad." I'm like, "All right, bro, come on, man. Like, we got to be professionals with this." But he's your friend, so you don't want to call him out too much. And when you do call him out, it's like, and now it becomes an ego thing. So, exactly. Yeah. So sometimes it's like, yo, man, let's not take it personal. Let's just keep the common goal, the common goal. Yeah, agree, agree. That happens, and it's completely true. It's the same thing I, with roommates. Where I mean, it seems nice to be roommates with your best friend. Or best friends, a lot of the times though, I see it ending in horror, where it doesn't end up being a good idea. Hmm. I think it comes down to how effortlessly can you enforce rules and you know duties. Mm-hmm. Because when you are friends with someone, then it becomes difficult to enforce duties, find replacements without say attacking the other person. <laughs> Yeah, I can give you an example. For example, let's say Unapologetic Truths episode 17, okay? Let's say from tomorrow, I just stop responding to you. For one week, let's say you might assume I might be sick or whatever, and then you like, we skipped an episode. The next week, I just say, yeah, I'm going to show up for the next episode, but I never show up. Like, you, you're you just waiting. Okay, mm-hmm. you might forgive me, and okay, no problem, maybe something came up. The third one, I say, I keep, let's say, rescheduling it, and then I just say, uh screw this i don't feel like doing it maybe some other time at some point let's say after three four skipped episodes you're going to be like okay maybe it's it's not working out with harsh let me find someone else to do a podcast with and that if we are friends okay let's say that in, a, in if we are let's say just business partners we just know each other from business and we we became friends that way then i will understand where I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, it was my fault. I just didn't show up and he is a businessman. He has to like find someone else to do it because I wasn't there. But if we start out as friends, like two friends, Harsh and Arman, and then you replace me, what is it going to be? Like, you betrayed me, Arman. We were supposed to do it together, but mm-hmm. I was just unavailable for two months and then you just find someone else. Right. You see what I mean? So I see exactly what you mean that's what happens no it does i mean and what do you do in that scenario like now that you're breaking it down i'm saying like let's say it does happen i'm like man i don't even know what to do because i'm cool with harsh before but it's nothing personal and this I mean, happens all, all the time do is explain that it's nothing personal and like just explain why it's happening but really there's not much you can do it's one of those unpleasant situations like a divorce Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where sure you can make the other person you can communicate and tell them the reasons but they have their own ego they have their own beliefs or as to what happened 
maybe you said something that pissed me off which didn't make me want to come again or you know whatever so it becomes like a conflict versus a business thing and anytime i'm dealing with people i can expect that where okay everything is nice and rosy right now but eventually there's a potential for something bad to happen where you know with me and you i mean there's a lot of common grounds but in my mind i'm like okay well sometimes a tragedy does happen in life uh, and something can happen with an apologetic truth podcast or in terms of business where for a long time i had this one particular group that worked on formatting my books creating the covers and stuff and then out of the blue moon they started to deliver sloppy work and if it happens once it's whatever it happens twice third fourth time all right man now we got to find a replacement so anytime you're dealing with people i mean there's that level of volatility that's to be expected and if you're dealing with a friend and now you're dealing with volatility and a business i mean that's way too many variables to try to balance yeah for example if you were friends with these guys whom you fired then those guys are going to start to hate you you know mm-hmm. and if you pissed like if their ego is hurt enough then you have made an enemy and these guys will start attacking you you see right. what i mean you're going to be right. like arman is a scammer he does xyz whatever you know mm-hmm. you see all these like ugly public battles it usually comes from this type of stuff so what do you see as the workaround do you think friends should ever start a business together i mean i would not say never but be careful like you have to be aware of the risks while you are going in and not have rose colored glasses mm-hmm. because things can go south things do go south all the time so you have to keep those factors in mind my general advice is to keep your friends for friendship and work with a skilled and competent i think this is from the 48 laws of power where you have to fairly evaluate whether this is the right person for the right job if your friendship was not involved in the sense that if you have to choose between two people and one guy is your friend but less skilled and the other guy is not as skilled then pick the other guy so you have to i think working with a skilled and competent is what i would default to one of the best feelings is when you're working with someone on business and they end up being a cool guy like my narrator for my audiobooks daniel i mean initially it was just business but later on we added each other on whatsapp and you know i'd give him updates regarding new books that i'm about to publish and every now and then we're talking and eventually i find out that he's a genius once it comes down to the podcast audio and that sort of specialized knowledge and he's roughly around my age we're talking we're giving each other business advice uh how to have clear audio i'm like yo this is a cool guy i i could see myself working with him long term and that's one of the best feelings out there when you meet good talent and they have a great personality yes arman that is a friendship based on business mhm that is superior to a business based on friendship right where one of the books i mean you i believe you bought charisma king a while back and the guy that formatted that book he had a very weird personality a very ocd strict etc the formatting is really good thank you that's what i was going to say where his formatting skills were amazing he'd say yo i'll need i'll turn it in by friday and instead he'll turn it in by tuesday a couple of days early 
It's just that he was very awkward and he was rude at times. So over time, we're talking. He's working on more of my digital products. And eventually, we're starting to get to know each other. And I'm like, you know, despite this guy being awkward, I respect his professionalism. I like how quick he is. And I like how I don't have to micromanage him or anything like that. This guy is not my friend, but I could see him being my friend down the line. How much does this guy charge per page or whatever, how he's charging? So for the entire book, it costs $70. You should put me in touch with this guy. I need someone like him. Yeah, I'll, use I'll, him. I'll get you in touch with him. Sounds good. So when whenever you're creating a product, how many people do you have to interact with? Like Teach Yourself Crypto, did you set up everything by yourself or did you have a team? We have two guys. So it's me and there's a guy called Sergio who is at the rate coding languages who works with me on content creation. And currently he's building the software which allows people to take the exam and then it issues a certificate. And then we have one girl whose name is Ash. And what she does is that after we build the curriculum, she goes through it. So she's a complete noob. So she's an ideal student in a way. She's intelligent, but she doesn't know anything about crypto. So she watches whatever material we finalize. So basically, she's like a beta student. And then she gives us feedback on what she understood, what she didn't understand, what her questions were. And once we have her feedback, then we can improve the course, add in the stuff that was missing. Because me as a computer scientist and Sergio as a software engineer, we take a, a few things for granted. For example, a resource might mention object-oriented programming and we might just ignore it. For us, it's one plus one equals two. But for a noob, for a beta student like Ash, it's like, what was this? Like, what was this term? I, I was stuck here. You know what I mean? Mm, yes, so yes. It's three people. Two of us make the content and one is an auditor who helps auditor beta student who helps come up with feedback etc and currently i'm doing the content work for the next module and sergio is building the software so this is a delineation what we've done so that it's more focused right we hope to have the software ready soon and once it's there i'll let you know i will give you a certificate we'll give you make you take the exam and do this hook me up you should let me. You we'll should let me be one of your. You should let me be one of your noob students. <laughs> you Try can be. It's it's uh, the course is live. The certification system is not live. The course okay. is free, hundred percent for everyone forever. But the certification system is going to be paid. What about your content with Life Math Money? Your YouTube video, for example. Does anyone create the thumbnails? So far, it's just me. I use Canva. I, I move very fast, so I'll just record. Then I'll. I have a guy who edits the video. Uh, sorry, edits the audio for me. So what he does, he is he removes the sounds, he adds background music, etc. And I I know how to do all of that myself. It just saves me time to just send it to him, get it back, mm-hmm. and then I will just go to Filmora, add like some video that I shot on it, put my logo on it, mm-hmm. and just upload it. I also have a teacher who's helping me with the whole accent thing and helping me like become more understandable to a Western audience. Because for a Western audience, an Indian accent is hard to understand. Well, they can tell what you're saying if they pay attention, but it's a bit like you have to pay full attention to get it. It's like, for example, as an Indian, when I hear a Chinese person speak, I have to constantly 
you know, be aware of what they're saying to get it. Otherwise, I don't understand what they have said. So that's what happens to Indian accents abroad. And if you are someone like that, if you're creating content with that accent, you will only be like watched by people from, say, in my case, India. I want to be global. So for me, I have to be, if I have to sound understandable and pleasant to a global audience. So that's why I'm learning how to do the American accent. Have you gotten any pushback from that? From like a core I do Indian get a audience? lot of, like mostly Indians who are going to be like, dude, what are you doing? Because for Indians, of course, it sounds a bit weird, right? Dude, what are you doing? Like you're, you sound weird as shit. But all of my Western audiences, like, uh, non-Indian or you know American or British people, I get a lot of comments saying, "Hey, your accent is getting much better. I'm able to understand without having to focus, and it's much clearer now." So it's a trade-off, you know. You're gonna piss off some people from India who are more attached to the whole Indian thing, but it also makes it much easier for the rest of the world to understand you. So I'm trying to find the sweet spot where it's not super different for Indians but also easy to understand and pleasant to listen to for Americans and European people. Because at the end of the day, even if someone from the US or Europe can understand what I'm saying in my native accent, unless it's pleasurable to listen to, no one's going to listen to it. Like right. I've had this experience where I bought an ebook, but I didn't like the narrator's accent and I just didn't listen to the ebook, like mm. the audiobook. Right. So it has to be pleasant to understand. It has to be understandable without effort. And it has to be pleasant. So if I would say that there's like three levels, okay? So the basic level is, that are you are people able to understand what you're saying if they pay attention? So that's the basic level, which, you know, a lot of regional accents have. The next level is to be able to understand you without putting an effort. And the third level is what I ideally want to reach is to be able to speak so fluently, so nicely that you sound pleasant. People want to hear you just because of how you speak. Someone who does this really well is Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to achieve here. Actually, I released a video yesterday called Be Articulate Like Jordan Peterson. So you guys <laughs> should check that out. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. He speaks really, really well. Like His words flow really well. Well, well, he and, is a native speaker, so. Well, I was going to say, even with Jordan Peterson, you know how we were talking about how you get support from some people, you get backlash from some people as well with the voice training? Even with Jordan Peterson, I mean, I think he's articulate. You think he's articulate. But I know a lot of people that say that he sounds whiny, that he's not articulate, that he lacks charm. And I'm saying, Jordan Peterson? I feel like that's completely different. They're like, oh, no, man, I can't listen to him for more than two minutes because he's so annoying. And it just shows you how subjective the voice is. Yeah, you can't please everyone. You can't. I don't think you can please everyone, but there are certain things that, well, people naturally dislike, most people. For example, if you speak very nasally like this, mm -hmm. most people are not <laughs> going to like it. And there might be some odd guy who might actually like that voice, but that's like an outlier. Do any comments ever hurt your feelings or no. you just brush it by? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words on the internet will not hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
There's never been anything that got under your skin. No. My life yeah. is going far too well for me to care about internet nonsense. Mhm. That's what good, man. What about you? Nah, man. I mean, I'm the exact same way. I've heard it all. So, <laughs> it never hurts my feelings. One thing I did notice though is there's there's differences in the kind of criticism that you get. A uh, one group, you know that they're trolling you. So, you're it's easier to brush them up, up aside. But let's say you respect the person and the person that you respect criticizes you, that often stings a little bit more. But it's never to a point where, you know, I'm crying over it. I'll take in the feedback, I'll adjust or I'll just discard it and then I'll go about my life. Mm. Where there was this one guy who was just like um I forgot what he said. This is when I was first starting my podcast, 2019 or so, and he was a hardcore uh follower of my Twitter and as soon as I posted about my podcast he's like hey what's up bro uh, I just want to let you know that I turned on your podcast and turned it off I hated it but anyways I love your tweets though and I was like that stung me bro because I know this guy he's someone that you know I liked so he never even told me what was wrong with it so I was going to shoot him a DM later uh, but over time I think if you're creating on the internet eventually you start to build this thick skin where in 2019 i was just learning for the first time uh, but i saw that there were tears to criticism a uh, criticism from complete strangers and from people that you respect mm. has there been a time when someone that you respected criticized you yeah or criticized life math money very recently actually so there's a men's rights activist i won't name her she's a i will say she has a good heart um and she's old and she doesn't have she's not married she's like i think 37 or something and i said something along the lines of and i say this all the time where marrying a girl over 28 27 is like buying a packet of milk right before it's expired date like a day before it expires and it's a simple comment it's all about you know like he, the purpose of marriage is having kids and if you don't you know intend to have kids why get married so if you are marrying someone who is above that age it's like you can't have kids like you can but it's like going to be much harder so right before the expiry date and this woman took it very personally and she spent like the entire week attacking me over it like hey this guy hates women and she took it very personally because i if i, I i'm i'm just assuming but probably because she is in the same situation where she is 37 38 and she's not married yet so it really hurt her as a person and she kept attacking me over it and you were cool with her before yeah i was cool with her before i've interacted a lot of times before like the thing i don't hate her at all even now she's attacked me a lot she attacked me so much that she got her account locked out for like 13 14 hours and What? i never responded to her to her even once so yeah she got she it was a very stupid reason why to lock her out so I identify as a woman, right? Harshina. And she says that I'm just pretending to be a woman. <laughs> And that's <laughs> against Twitter's policy. <laughs> <laughs> But I I wasn't the one who reported her. And I Oh, what? Truly, that's why she got banned? Or she, that's why she got put on suspension? Suspended for like she no, she's she got like locked out for like one day or something. And she thinks that I reported her. But 
truly i don't want to report her i like the cause that she's working for you know the whole men's art activist thing but yeah it wasn't me who reported her but she thinks it was so she kept she keeps attacking me every once in a while still which is probably going to get her account banned again because someone else is going to report her anyone can report anyone on twitter for anything like it doesn't have to be the person you are attacking like anyone can report you for that so it, she takes it she took it very emotionally very personally which i presume is that she's prob- probably not a very happy person in her life because when someone happy sees something they don't like or agree with they just move on but when you're unhappy you tend to take it personally and then you try to like assassinate the person's character who said something you don't like well it probably struck a chord with her I think she's in like the same situation. It's like calling a fat girl fat, you know, it really pisses them off. So like calling an old girl, like I wasn't even referring to her. I just made a normal tweet that said that, you know, marrying someone over 28 is like buying a packet of milk before it expires, like a day before it expires. And it, it wasn't like adorating her, but she got really, really crazy about it and she kept DMing me and calling me different names. So oh, She was DMing you too? Yeah, I was polite to her in the sense that I just explained my viewpoint. And then I just like, I was like, okay, like, if you're going to be like this, we can't have a conversation. You but blocked her? No, I didn't afterwards? block her. No, no. So did that upset you at all? Not really. I just felt bad for her in the sense that the reason she is having such an adverse reaction to it is because her life is not going well, right? She, she The reason she's mad about it is, is because she's single at 20, 37 or whatever, however old she is now. And not because of what I said is wrong. So I don't feel upset at what I said. I just feel like bad for her. I just feel like she's suffering. Mm. You see what I mean? I do see what you and mean. I think she has a good heart. I don't think she's a bad person. I've known her for like a year now. And I- she has good goals she is fighting for men's rights and that's a good thing i agree with her cause so i have nothing against her (laughs) Mm -hmm. i just can't promote her anymore because she's kind of attacking me so Mm -hmm. that sucks that'd be weird yeah that would be weird but there was this one tweet i saw i was like this girl wrote it and it went viral it's like why do men who are hurt start podcasts instead of uh, instead of going to therapy (laughs) (laughs) and i busted out laughing i thought haha that's pretty funny that's funny (laughs) and i see so many guys who are you know commenting on this it's like who are you to say this Uh, how do you know that our podcast doesn't change lives they're attacking the girl (laughs) i'm like bro man it looks like these expensive podcasts are free (laughs) (laughs) yo harsh i hear an echo from my voice Uh, do you hear an echo uh no sorry let me reduce your volume i'm not using headphones okay are you still hearing it or were you Uh, hearing it from the beginning well when i was saying uh, when i was saying the tweet i can still hear it right now oh you can still hear it okay sorry Mm -hmm. i'm gonna switch to uh headphones this is like okay hey can you hear me yeah i can hear you now yeah, sorry about that. I typically don't wear headphones because like for wearing it for three hours at a stretch kind of annoys me. Right. So basically when that tweet came out, so many guys were getting pissed. And I'm like, man, it's such a bad look that you're getting this mad. You should have just laughed it off. Otherwise, it looks like you're hurt. And that's the reason you started a podcast. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone starts a podcast because they're hurt, but it's a very funny thing to say. I do it's, know it's, some people that do that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I know some people who try to vilify their actions by becoming an influencer where, let's say someone made bad choices, but they try to promote those bad choices as a way to feel better. Well, I have a tweet. A lot of years can go wasted because you took the advice of someone who was hurt and never healed. So some mm. people, they'll be so hurt and they'll speak with so much conviction to justify their bad decisions while behind the scenes, they're upset. But they're they're the blind leading the blind. Yeah, that that is something I like, agree with completely. For example, this woman who was attacking me typically posts tweets every once in a while saying like it's okay to be unmarried at 37 or whatever. And she's happy because even though she's unmarried, even though her actions clearly state the opposite, but she I I'm willing to bet she believes that what she's saying but even though she's clearly not happy the way she's behaving shows that Mm -hmm. so it's like one of those things you know for example let's say that you want to justify your actions you've gotten all the way to 40 you have it you are not married you have no kids you can't have kids anymore because your fertility is gone and at 40 you see your niece at 20 years old okay and your niece is asking you what is it like to be single and now you don't want to say that i'm unhappy because that's like, you know, you want to save face. So you say, hey, my life is amazing. I can travel wherever I want. I have no one to answer to. I have complete freedom, etc. And you're basically like ruining this woman's life because she's going to believe you. Mm-hmm. It's like misery loves company. Right. So that's, I think, what's going on with a lot of things. Where people make bad choices and then they try to like justify those choices by getting more people into it. Like drug addicts will like ask you to consume drugs. Like they will offer it to you. Even mm. though they know that these drugs are like not good for you. But they want to act like it's normal. Everyone should do it. And that's why they peddle it. It's like misery loves company. They want to spread their misery. Or at least save face. Have you had any other moments when you know, a familiar face started to attack you? Not in recent history. That's good. What about you? So I didn't ever have this guy attack me, but this was, I would say 2018. So this was a long time ago. And I recall initially the guy was giving me a lot of support, but later on he would keep quote retweeting me and misquoting me. And he'd get a lot of these his random followers like agreeing with what he said to something that I never said. And I thought that was strange. And eventually he just leave me on red whenever I want to hit him up uh, to, you know, record some content together. So, I mean, he never hated on me. It just, he, the willful misrepresentation, like, yeah. Like I said, I I like rice and you say Arman loves only rice mm -hmm. and hates whatever else. Yeah. It was exactly something like that. I wish I could recall the tweet. I don't delete any of my tweets, so I'm pretty sure I could find it if I look for it enough. But it was just one thing where he completely misrepresented what I said, and people are all agreeing with him. I'm like, what? And I'm not one of these kinds of guys that's going to debate you online. I think that's a waste of time, especially if you have stuff going on for you. But, I mean, it ended up giving me a whole bunch of new followers because he was a pretty big account. 
but this uh, this was someone that supported me a lot in the beginning stages so i thought that was strange mm. with social media with social media not too many people are loyal most people are doing whatever it's going to take to get engagement so you better be picky with the people that you make friends with on social media cuz for a lot of individuals their main motivating factor is is it going to get engagement or not yeah it's actually harder to trust people on social media one one trick i found is that someone who has a large body of work across multiple years they're more likely to be consistent with what they have produced and not you know change their mind one day and start attacking you Mm-hmm. but you have to like be careful like people who have betrayed people who will betray you will likely have betrayed someone else in the past so you have to like right. dig through their history mhm for example that fresh and fit group that I was talking about before mm-hmm. i would say last year was when they were blowing up and i've seen their channel go from 15000 subscribers right now they're at 600000 so they've nice. been they've been growing but there was a period last year where they got massive backlash and a lot of the people that came on their show that were supported by Fresh and Fit started to make reaction videos clowning them and nowadays if you go on YouTube there's a whole niche of people who just react to Fresh and Fit making fun of them the entire time but during that moment of them getting that backlash i started to see how quickly people can switch up where it it happens and that's why you know i keep my circle small i don't I, you're one of the guys that i connect with online but i'm not over here trying to connect with every single person that i meet i build relationships but i'm not over here talking to someone for 2 plus hours you know every 2 weeks like with you ah i see what do you think of these reaction type content people i think it's like it's a bad hustle in the sense that like your entire life is devoted to reacting to others what are you producing how are you improving the world you see what i mean so mm-hmm. they're commentators not creators yeah they're like they're like people on the sidelines booing at you or cheering you <laughs> but they're not like doing anything it's like in a conversation you'll often see that you know one guy is creating a lot of topics and the other guy is just waiting to shoot those topics down or find holes in it. Or yeah, mm-hmm. both of them are participating in the conversation, but the strategy is completely different. Yeah, it's not productive or it's not it's not adding anything or being valuable. It's just mindless entertainment for idiots. I think in terms of just as a consumer, I appreciate reaction videos because it just gives me a different angle from the content. Uh one of the reaction channels I like is mediocre tutorials and reviews. Huh, He's mediocre. just Yeah, eh, that's a that's a pretty funny name. Are they any good? <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, he's pretty good. Oh, so he's lying. And playback, Or that's another that's another <laughs> and another uh YouTube channel is called Playback. But from their lens, I mean, my personal measurement of success is are you creating something? If not, I mean, I see a role for creators. in the environment but i think there's tiers i think if you're a real creator you're higher than a commentator of course 
You Anyone know? can do commentary. How many people can create? Very few. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. It's been around since forever. You know, even movie reviewers, what are they doing? They're just reviewing someone else's content. They're not like making something new. And this comes from a guy who gives zero respect to movies and thinks they're all bullshit. So, <laughs> is that something I could ever change your mind on to give at least one movie a chance? That movie's called Interstellar. Actually, I like move some movies. Like I like a couple of movies a lot. I just think they're all wastes of time. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Like, I do see. Do you I ever? Do, s- I do see them as a vehicle for cultural change. I intend to use them in the future. It's just I'm not the right consumer for it. Sorry, go right. ahead. Do you watch Bollywood movies or give it a chance? The last time I watched a Bollywood movie was 2013. 2013. Was it a Shah Rukh Khan yeah. movie? I don't know. I don't remember. Do you I know who Shah Rukh Khan is? Yes, I know who Shah Rukh Khan is. Uh, Bollywood movie. I remember watching this 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 movie in 2013 with my college friends, like my high school friends, like in your language. Like in, it's considered college, eleventh grade is college in India. Mm-hmm. So, my high school friends in your. So that's the last time I watched a Bollywood movie. I think the movie was about suing a bunch of religious people, like you know, like the Pope and people, the religious leaders for an earthquake that happened. The mm-hmm. concept was that, well, if you guys are the messengers of God and God just like destroyed my shop, then you got to like, you know, pay me back. I think people who live in India, this is my, this is my insight at least. A lot of them don't like Bollywood. They're like, oh man, it's corny, it's cheesy. But I, if you live outside of India, uh, in the US, when they see a Bollywood movie, they're in awe a lot of times. They're like, wait a minute. They were just acting. Now they're singing and dancing. I'm like, yeah. So singing and dancing is built into a lot of Bollywood movies. And if you're predominantly an American movie consumer, this is unheard of. It's like, wait, what? So is this a musical? I'm like, no, it's not necessarily a musical. It's just built into the Bollywood movies. And for me, I mean, I used to hate Bollywood movies. I used to think it was corny. But nowadays, I like it, man. I'll watch it every now and then on Netflix. It's like whatever you, whatever is different from your culture is exotic. So yeah. for Westerners, Bollywood is exotic, but people here in India think Hollywood is really good because it's more exotic. Mm-hmm. You see, it's like, you know how Westerners are all into like Buddhism and peace and meditation because it's exotic. People here don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here it's like a regular thing and. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> That's a good observation. It's so like it's a desire of... to be different, I would say, like a desire to be different from other people. That's what plays a role. Have you ever heard of Pitbull? Yes, I like his music. Oh, do you? Okay, so he uh, he was from like not too far away from where I'm from. So I was from West Palm Beach. He's from Miami. So initially in the beginning stages, he was this amazing rapper, insane lyricism. And for some time, I'm like, man, how do more people not know about him? He's so freaking good. But as more years started to go on by, he started to become more and more mainstream. And if you follow hip hop, you have two options. You could either be very lyrical and appeal to your core audience, or you could become more mainstream, which is what pop means. Pop is short for popular. 
Ah, and, is that so? I never knew that. Right. So eventually, uh, Pitbull ended up becoming more pop, rap pop. And, you know, in where he's initially from, Miami, he's seen as a sellout. People are like, oh, man, his music is trash nowadays. His whole beats, it, it just doesn't, isn't right. But people from overseas, they love Pitbull. He's known as Mr. Worldwide. So it just shows you uh, the differences. Where in the U.S., a lot of people look at Pitbull as a joke nowadays. They're like, oh, he's corny. But overseas, he's still a sensation. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know about the whole sellout thing, you know. Like, mm-hmm. sellout of what? Like the art. What art? So, with hip-hop, it's poetry. So, if you it's listen to... Yeah, so that's that's another way to look at it. So l- let me ask you, say I'm trying to find out what an equivalent of life math money selling out is. Okay, so let's say some is there a certain fitness lifestyle that you're completely against or a certain diet plan? I think the equivalent of life math money selling out would be like becoming more like BuzzFeed. Yes, there we go. Now imagine you make five times more money by producing that kind of content. Would you do it? No. So your artistic side is stronger than your business side. No, I just have different goals in the sense that I want to start a cultural revolution and I want people to be more traditional. And I, in the sense that I make so much money that it's literally like, I don't, I don't particularly care about money. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, these are like, it's like, it's a bit of a religious fervor kind of thing where I'm doing this to f- build a better world as how I see a better world would look like. Not to make money. But if I was doing it for money, then I would have done the switch. For example, with my affiliate marketing business, which is purely for money, if a switch like that would have made me more money, I would have done it with my affiliate marketing business. But with Life Math Money, I have a different goal. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to achieve something in the world. I'm trying to change the culture. And I don't want to compromise my core values. Okay, let me, I, I actually found a perfect analogy to for you to understand the whole pit bull ordeal. Imagine there's this account on Twitter that's been posting in-depth breakdowns about life, psychology, human nature, etc. And the minute that he starts getting more traction, all of a sudden, he starts posting platitudes. Uh, if you ah. believe it, you can see it. And yeah, I mean, he's getting a lot more engagement. And he's getting a lot more followers. But his core people are like, dude, he's over here tweeting basic stuff. Old school version of this account used to be so in-depth, filled with life, artistic. But nowadays, he's just regurgitating the same trends. That's what it was viewed like when Pitbull went from ah, that hardcore rap. Because I've seen his evolution. I mean, I'm telling you, he lived, I would say, one hour to one hour, 15 minutes away from where I lived. So I never met him, of course. But I heard about him, uh, his music a lot. So before he was this global sensation, like we used to hear about his music in West Palm Beach. I believe this was in like 2007. So we've seen that transition. So basically Pitbull scaled in the sense that he diluted his art to scale. Right. And here's the thing. If you're like this lyrical, amazing rapper, you're not necessarily going to appeal to someone, let's say, in China or in Nigeria, who's just trying to feel 
feel the beat, you know, feel the melody. They don't want to overhear sing along to all these in-depth rhymes. They just want to feel a certain way. And Pitbull was able to understand that. So he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go mainstream. And that's what he did. I think it depends on what his goals were, whether he was a sellout or not, in the sense that if his goals were to promote the initial version of whatever music he was doing, let's call it pit rock. So if his initial version was to promote pit, sorry, pit rap, then he's a sellout. But if his vision itself was to just make music and make money, then he's not a sellout. Then he's just doing what he started with. Then he's just a businessman. And the people calling him a sellout just thought he was something else. Mm-hmm. The thing with Pitbull, man, is that, you know, nowadays people will laugh if I say this, but he's a genius in terms of music. He could rap in English. He could rap pop. And he's amazing in rapping in Spanish. Yeah, Not anyone too many who makes that type of money with their skill is a genius. Anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you don't get to the top if you're an idiot. I was going like, to ask that's you. That's very rare. Do you consider yourself a genius? No. I I don't know, man. I, there's some stuff that you do like behind our scenes conversations where I wouldn't rule it out. I think that I'm very young. I'm or are you 26, being too humble? And I have a lot to learn. In the but age doesn't matter, man. Be honest. Do you think you're a genius? Not really. Well, my perspective of you is that you're one of the guys that I know that sees things in a very different way, especially in terms of business, the way that you go about certain processes. I mean, it's probably because you are with yourself all the time, but as an outsider, I'll definitely say you're creative. Creative, sure. I do think I'm creative. But genius, I don't know. Which is, why I, kind of, which is why I found it weird that you take the IQ exam so seriously. Normally, creative people don't take it that seriously. Creativity is an expression of intelligence. And IQ is like a crude way to measure it. So I'm not a fan of the IQ exam as an accurate test of intelligence, but it's the best we have so far to measure intelligence in the sense that, you know, I would love to have a better metric to measure intelligence. But until we can figure out what is, this is a good proxy. I don't know if you can measure it. the The biggest criticisms that IQ gets is that it's a proxy in the sense it's not 100% accurate. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So IQ is really important in my opinion. And a lot of things which people think are not related to IQ, like creativity, are actually related to IQ. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't, know if I, I don't know if intelligence should be measured. That's like trying to measure how much you love something. Why not? Why should it not be measured? Just because the measure is not so like, it's not like a perfect measure doesn't mean there's no value in measuring something. Because and I, I think also it, think there is value in measuring how much you love something. Because For example, I think, you might have a trade-off. <laughs> like you have two girls, you have to pick one. So if you can measure how much you love each other, like, you know, then it might be a factor. Well, or, here's the thing. My, my problem with measuring intelligence is that it gets you 
thinking in a box. Like for us to say that Pitbull is a genius, I don't know what his IQ score is. And I don't think he even knows. I don't think he cares. But if he did care and he invested a lot in it, and let's say he scored low on the IQ exam, then he would have never understood his genius in music. Ah, uh-huh. so what you're doing is you're conflating the effects of knowing something with the idea itself. So I agree with you that thinking in a box is not hey, good harsh, for you. Harsh, you broke yeah. up. Can you say that again? Yeah, so I think what you're doing is you're conflating the idea with the effects of knowledge of the actual idea in the sense that um, thinking in a box is not good, of course. But I, th- I don't think it's a fair assumption that knowing your IQ makes you think in a box. Let me give you an example, okay? Mm-hmm. Knowing that I can't jump six feet high does not make me think in a box. It's still a limitation I have. Or knowing how high I can jump, does that make me think in a box? Or knowing how long I can run, how many kilometers I can run at once, does that make me think in a box? Or knowing how, let's say, how long I I can hold my breath, does that make me think in a box or not? I I, I don't think these are the right analogies. Because let's break it down with the IQ exam. What determines how intelligent you are? Is it based off of how? Nah, nah, I don't, I don't agree with that. But, but let's say this IQ exam. What does it measure? Like, what, what, what's in the test? If you're saying that, how well you recognize patterns. Okay. Um, but you think that's like the main key for intelligence i mean where no, does it that's measure what I'm telling you. Like, that's what i'm telling you arman it's a proxy it's not a good measure but this is the only measure that's that's you know getting somewhere so the criticism of iq is that it's not a perfect measure that's what you're saying basically it's not a perfect measure and i think it's completely inaccurate like I, it's I not mean, completely inaccurate it's not a perfect measure that's a difference my version of intelligence is more like work ethic discipline these that are stuff that work. i see like a lot of really dumbass people, like a construction worker moving bricks, can work really hard, have amazing work ethic. Does not mean he's intelligent. IQ predominantly measures the intellect. It measures the ability to recognize patterns, which is a good proxy of IQ intelligence. I don't know, man. I mean, I think we're gonna have to agree to disagree because I'm not a big fan of the IQ. I think I it's think a the fact I think it's a waste that you're of not time. a big fan of it is coloring your judgment to be honest well i gave it a chance i mean i gave it a lot of chance i looked at it and it's not something that i'm like oh whoa like this is something that like me knowing or me not knowing is going to see the way that i take in information i I know what you mean in the sense that just because you have a score doesn't necessarily mean that you're not good for something or you are but what it does show you is for example if you go to a college okay arman and mm-hmm. you go to the best college, let's say you go to MIT and you give everyone an IQ test in MIT, the IQ score on average, what you receive is going to be higher than if you went to a construction site where people were moving bricks all day and then you gave them the same IQ test. You see what I mean? In the well, sense what about, that... Okay, okay, uh, I get that part. But what about the MIT versus 50 top billionaires do you think all these billionaires have like high iq probably yes i'm i'm i'll i'm willing to bet that they have high iq like i will put my money there 
I don't know, man. I really don't know. I mean, that's something that I'd have to think about. A guy like LeBron James, I mean, he's worth a whole bunch of money. He's going to become a billionaire soon. I don't think he has a high IQ. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's a sportsman, right? Right. Yeah, I don't. There is some correlation between being intelligent and being better at sports. Like, for example, where will the ball ha- where will the ball come so you can catch it, etc. Like, if you're playing cricket or something, I don't know what game he plays. I think basketball. You said so. How to like what places to move, etc. So it does make a difference, but it isn't necessarily something that is dependent on IQ, his skill, and income. So it's like. It it might not be a big factor in the thing that he does, but it definitely is a factor, but it's not the only factor. I think your wealth is a better measurement of intelligence because it factors in more parts of reality. It factors in your specialized skill set, your ability to connect with other people, think long term. I mean, I think that's a better measurement of ex- or your intelligence versus some exam. Mm, I, I will I will disagree with that. I'll tell you why. I'll give you like my reasoning, okay? Mm-hmm. Because the acquisition of wealth has far more factors than just intelligence. In the sense that it de- it requires how cunning you are. It re- it also depends on how much risk you are willing to take. It re- depends on your ethics. For example, one of the best and quickest ways to get rich is to steal it in the sense that just pick people's wallet you'll get free money so it isn't like just iq in the sense i intelligence is a factor of course but there are too many factors and that makes wealth a bad measure for intelligence because there are too many factors versus something that requires primarily intelligence for example how good you are with math that would be a better measure of intelligence even though you might have people who are intelligent but not good at math on average, it's a better measure of intelligence than how rich you are. Likewise, so IQ test is just measuring for pattern recognition and it doesn't require prior knowledge in the sense that someone who is not educated in math, like someone who doesn't can't like hasn't been taught how to add, multiply, divide, is going to suck at math, of course. So it requires a prior amount of education to be good at it. So IQ testing is the it's a pattern recognition test which doesn't require any education like you don't have to have any prior knowledge so for example you might be given a pattern like a stick is horizontal then it turns 30 degrees and then in the third image it turns 30 degrees so where will it be in the fourth image so you can recognize that okay it turned 30 degrees once it turned 30 degrees twice so it's going to turn 30 degrees again so it's going to look like this you see what I mean mm-hmm. so it's that type of stuff. So it's like trying to detect how smart or intelligent you are without you having to know some background information or you needing some background knowledge. So it's like a proxy way to measure intelligence. And the biggest criticism it gets is that it's not a perfect measure, that you can be smart but not score well on the IQ test and there are people who have done this, etc. But the IQ test is a good measure of intelligence and intelligence plays a role not the IQ score itself. And this is just like a crude way to measure how smart you are. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I've been speaking way too much. <laughs> no, no, I mean, as you were speaking, I was Googling 
uh, some of the questions that are asked on the IQ exam. And I, I see what you're talking about. I mean, I'm not going to rule it off completely because, I mean, that's I'm always open-minded to understand more. Uh, just for this state of Armand at the moment of March 8, 2022, I don't take it too seriously. But, I, I mean, it's open to interpretation for me, at least, within the next couple of years. Hmm. How, do you yeah. did you did you take your IQ exam? Not really. I haven't like formally taken exams on the internet. I have, but not I, like. I took it when I was six. I forgot the score. Yeah, it's not super accurate when you're really young. In the sense that it's even more inaccurate because your brain is not developed. But don't they say something like your IQ exam is fixed? Yeah, it is. Like in the sense that if you are scoring at around eighty, at twenty five, it's not suddenly you're not going to score around one hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be in a small range, maybe plus minus fifteen twenty percent, depending on how you were feeling when you took the exam. But ideally, you like it. It should be similar. That's it's another not, thing, though, man. It's uh, I'm just not a big fan of tests because what you were just saying, like, what if you're feeling weird that particular day? Do yeah, you take a it, few of these exams? No. It's it's like it's measuring your like it's it's supposed to be a shitty measure of intelligence, let's say that. Okay, not shitty, but like an imprecise measure of intelligence at the time the test was taken. Uh, it's like if you if you take your blood sugar test in the morning after you've eaten, it's going to give you a different result if you take it before you ate. Yeah, it's kinda like you're measuring your weight where there's fluctuations. Yeah, but since it's like measuring your intelligence, it's not supposed to fluctuate so much. It's not supposed to change too much. So, but yeah, I can totally see how someone, let's say they were malnutritioned. So they were like not scoring so high, their brain was not functioning, and then they corrected the malnutrition. And then their intelligence is better now. So I can see things like that happening. But if you are in perfect health, feeling great, and you give the test, and then five years from now, you give the same test. Ideally, you should not score differently. Unless, of course, like, you know, over time, your intelligence has degraded. Let's say you're like 75 or something. So, And is this an exam that you plan to take one of these days? No, what the information would not be useful to me. Like, What would I do with it? Well, that's what that's what I've been trying to say, too, bro. Where I'm like, I don't really see this being useful exam in terms of my life. So, I mean. It's not what individually useful, but it is collectively useful, Armand. For example... Oh, uh, yeah, I agree with you there. Where it's Same thing with personality tests. Like Individually, it's not going to make much sense. But in a societal level, yeah, you could notice certain patterns that can give you useful information. Exactly. So it's not a useless test at all. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably have to do more research on that. Um, uh, just because, I mean... It seems like you did a lot of research and you have some opinions regarding it. Do you do you see it being a big role in other people's lives, just knowing the information? Would you say it'll help them? It can help you with things like picking better employees, picking better spouses. And for example, if you have to accept think, people to some program, etc., then you can like pick smarter people. For example, if you're running a school or a university and you have 10 seats and 50 applicants, then it would probably be like meritorious to give it to the smartest people. Hmm. So 
it has uses in that sense but not use as a limiting factor for example hey my iq is only 90 that means i can't do this even though i'm good at it so that's like a bad excuse type use but it has definitely has good uses for example you don't want to marry a girl who scores 75 <laughs> because she's going to be dumb as shit and then her kids are going to be dumb as shit you're going to give her a iq exam the day before the marriage <laughs> i would i did like to talk her into taking an iq exam like before things get to that <laughs> i've actually done that a lot of times when i just like get a girl like hey check this thing out it's really cool <laughs> like on on that little does she know next week harsh breaks up with her <laughs> i've only say that it has happened before <laughs> has it yeah ah oh, damn the thing is that if i know someone i'm not not going to be like in the sense that i know for a fact that this is not the right person then there's no real point in me wasting her time and my time mhm and iq intelligence is something i really care about so i mean not just based on an iq test for example you know even in conversation you can tell who's smart and who's not like dumb right. people typically talk like to talk about movies and things like that you know what happened at your job what secret was revealed and you know the whole interpersonal affairs things while mm-hmm. smarter people want to talk about systems concepts and more interesting stuff so mm-hmm. you can always tell but it helps to confirm sometimes you can be wrong right was that the deal breaker L- let's say the girl checks all the other boxes but has a very poor iq is that a yeah, deal breaker yeah that's a deal breaker I, in fact i know a girl whose family wants me to marry her like their daughter but this girl this girl is really really hot like Nine and a half by ten, really hot, and her family is really good in the sense that they're very supportive, cooperative. They come from the same culture, and the girl is very feminine. Like she is incredibly hot, incredibly feminine. So she ticks every single box, and her family has been wanting her to marry me ever since I was sixteen years old. So about it, from for about ten years now, I think. And she's dumb as shit. I can't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things which you, it's it's like oh my god it's like there's a big flaw here I, I, explain though how is she dumb she's dumb like this is the type of person who watches tiktok for 6 hours a day ah okay so she's dumb she's real dumb but she's hot and everything else is right it's like it's like there's a berry which is just poisonous mhm so yeah it, it is a factor for me at least and i i have rejected like a very very good candidate for it okay so for you it's like i'm trying to see okay so she's feminine too she's very feminine and she cooks really well and she understands her duties as a woman and so how, how often have you guys talked she would be perfect yeah i know her well uh, she's fine with me Okay, okay. So you've talked to her enough to gauge her general subject matter of choice. Yeah, she's Yeah, she's not she's not intelligent for sure. Okay. The thing is I kind of like took this one more seriously and really tried to understand because you know, her family was like they kind of wanted me to marry her, right? Mhm. In India we have arranged marriages. 
but so yeah i kind of like wanted to investigate how she is i became friends with her like understood but it's just she's not she's not smart and she's a great person she has a great family but i don't want idiotic kids <laughs> is that what iq exam says like your iq is passed IQ, down intelligence is genetic iq is a shit like a an imprecise measure for intelligence and intelligence is genetic so it's very important to me that i pick an intelligent woman to marry so that my kids are also intelligent like me and you know the wife so that they succeed in the world like we're we're living in a world where if you're not smart you're screwed survival of the smartest are yeah. you uh, you don't have to say it if you don't want to dox yourself but are you 6 foot yeah okay well i mean i know a few people that aren't 6 foot and you know how you're talking about they have to be smart yeah Th- these friends of mine are like well my girl can't be lo- lower than 5 foot 8 or some measurement like that because their main gauge of understanding is i need tall kids i can't have my kids be short like me and these guys <laughs> that i'm speaking about are like 5 7 5 so their whole <laughs> their whole filtration system for women are they have to be tall eugenics yeah hey, are you calling me dumb arman are you saying i'm overcompensating <laughs> 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 so for you like for example like you do you care if the girl's tall or short or that's not yeah, even I, a thing that comes yeah, yeah it matters like i don't want short kids either so what's the cutoff like what if I she's 5'2 like i don't know she she has to be at least a bit taller like she has to come up to my ears i don't know how tall is that two like, ears i don't know like she has to be tall she can't be short she can't be like 5 feet Are you taller than six foot, or are you exactly six foot? I'm exactly six feet. Man, coming to your head, I mean, unless you have long ears, I mean, I'm thinking like five five at least. Yeah, five five five. That's six. not bad. That's actually not that bad. Yeah, five what I'm willing to accept, probably like five one, five two, not really, mm-hmm. because it's like too short, and like I don't want short kids. Like, it's like fucking them up, you know. Especially if they're a guy. Like being a short guy sucks. I have friends like that. it sucks for them how do you know they tell you stuff i have had friends and like female friends and even an old girlfriend of mine who rejected like guys who were like really good like they checked everything but they were short like mm-hmm. the like imagine like a guy who's making like more money than everyone he's everything about him is right except that his height is short and there's nothing he can do about it either right so, <laughs> <laughs> So Man, that's so unfortunate. Matter. It is how it is, you know. Right. I don't make the rules. I just play by them. <laughs> well, I mean, that's an unfortunate thing with guys where I mean, you can't change your height. Yeah, it's it's like one of those things you just have to accept and, you know, try to find like a tall girl just to like improve your genes, I would say. Improve have you ever, in like air quotes. I don't want to like Have you ever seen this YouTube channel challenge called Smash or Pass? I have not, but I can like guess what it is about. Right. So there's 10 girls and 10 guys and each one is going through the lines and saying smash okay. or pass. And there was this one episode where the guy was 5 foot 4. He had a big personality, funny guy, can tell jokes, but every girl is just passing by him and they're making fun of his height as they say pass. And yeah, that's a Tinder kind of shit, you know, where people just judge you on your appearance like if you're like judging someone really quickly that's what you would do 
Yeah, but it's like I'm laughing and the different people in the episode is laughing as well. But that's when I started to think, how does this guy feel? I mean, everyone is making fun of something that he can't control. Uh, technically, I mean, is his self-confidence hurt or not? Because you can't yeah, control that. Probably. It's like, you know, even if the guy laughs it off, you know he doesn't like it. So it's not right to make fun of him. But, of course, he is on like a sh- an entertainment show, so he should expect it. It's like a fat guy going to like a roast. Like he has to expect that people are going to make fun of him for being fat. Bro, ninth grade, I was the shortest boy in my class. I was five foot two. And I just recalled it's such a different feeling. I mean, people just casually make jokes about it. And it's like you try to change up your posture, try to look taller, but you can't do anything about it. So uh, I get it why some guys are very picky about the height of the girl because they probably don't want their kid to go through the same thing. It makes sense. It makes sense. I agree with that. But for I think those guys, you got to become a great communicator and you got to become wealthy because you becoming wealthy adds a couple inches to you. Yeah. And I think being physically fit is also like very helpful because you, well, you can't change your height, but at least you can get jacked, right? Mm-hmm. And girls like that. So, better chances because usually girls are repulsed by guys who are shorter than them they have the heel check they're like i also have to be taller than them with my heels on i'm like girl your heels are big (laughs) (laughs) so like the guy will normally be taller but if she wears her heels now he's shorter have you ever had a girl measure your height nah that happened to me once it was really funny where a girl asked me, are you six feet? And I'm like, yeah. And then she stood and like, you know, measured how tall was I in comparison to her and mm-hmm. then confirmed it. It was really, really funny. <laughs> it was like the my, first date too. So it I got myself, like, <laughs> sorry. I got myself measured recently and the doctor's like, all right, it looks like you're six one. I'm like, wait a minute, six one. I've been told my entire life I'm six foot. Like, no, sir, it looks it writes 6-1 right here. And he showed it to me. And I'm like, is he telling the truth or all the other doctors telling the truth? Because guys stop growing at what? Age 25? I think 20. 20? I don't think I've grown taller since I was 20. Yeah, so I just say I'm six. I don't wanna get, I don't want a girl to pull out a measuring tape and measure me. <laughs> Yeah, girls care a lot about height. It's super important to them. Were you ever tall and fat? Or you've always been, by the time you hit six foot, you've been in shape? I haven't fat twice after I almost got to six foot. But that was because of my CA exams. Oh, okay. So CA has like three C's. I'm a chartered accountant. It's CA for short. And it has three exams. And the last, all of these exams are really difficult in the sense that they have passing rates about like four percent five percent so only five percent of people clear one exam and they have three exams across three years and you have to sit at your home and study for six months to clear that exam and even like before the entire six months you have to still study for the past couple of years so during those days i was just sitting in my house like literally just sitting and eating whatever i didn't care i was just studying all day trying to pass this stupid exam 
Mm-hmm. And I did pass it, but in the process of being home for a year or like you know not working out at all, I got fat. So yeah, I've been fat and I've lost weight. So I know what it's like to be tall mm-hmm. and fat. Right. Every now and then I get a comment like, "Have you seen him yet? Have you seen Harsh? Is he?" And I'm like, <laughs> "This guy." Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he might have. Maybe guys. <laughs> maybe we already hung out we're not telling you <laughs> <laughs> are, are you still are you still bulking oh so i did a cut and i went from 100 to 90 and now i'm doing like a small maintenance time because i got really bored of cutting mm-hmm. so yeah currently i don't look fat at all like i look really fit I don't mm-hmm. have abs, of course. I need to cut like seven more kg for that. But for now, I'm not cutting anymore. I'm just like eating at maintenance for like at least one month. And then I'll see what I need to do. Do you eat the same thing every day? No. I, I, I don't eat the same thing. But it's similar in the sense that I have roti and sabzi, right? But it's a different sabzi. Mm-hmm. So to give you a Western example, it's like a sandwich, but different filling. A sabzi, a sabzi vegetable like oh, the roti. Oh, oh yeah, sabzi. Oh yeah, yeah, we call it shabji. Same thing. So it's a, it's a different shabji. And you don't eat out during these times, right? Do you go to Subway? I don't eat out when I'm cutting at all. Um, mm-hmm. I, if I do, like it's usually to have like eggs and things like that. Like I typically mm-hmm. go out to eat eggs that we don't cook in our house. Okay. So I have like ten eggs a day, and you know, I I do. I need the protein because I'm a vegetarian. Right. Eggs and whey protein. So that's how I usually, or if I do go out, I usually eat healthy stuff like sandwiches or like a dosa or something. Mm-hmm. I've been eating the same thing every day and it's good when it's a simple thing. I, I don't, whenever I watch these YouTube videos of people cooking, they have so many different ingredients. And I'm like, Man, I don't want to do that, bro. I want something simple. And now I have such a simple meal that, tastes good too so i enjoy that do you cook for yourself yeah i mean like i don't really even cook i mean it's pretty much just seasoning the chicken having it in bulk and then just putting it in the air fryer and you know cutting up a potato and that's it and obviously vegetables as well so ah i see it's not it's not like i'm over here like slaving away in the kitchen for hours i used to i mean when i was first starting lifting i used to spend so much time cooking and you could do that for a certain time period, but if you have a business and other work to do, spending that much time cooking just becomes tiresome after a while. It's almost like Arman living alone is not like the best, most efficient way of life, right? Right. Well, this is when, like, you know, I had roommates and stuff too, and like we'd all do the whole meal prepping thing together because we were all in what do you call it, the lifting journey, but. One thing I realized is if you can make it simple, then you're going to do it for a longer period of time. And to give you an example, have you ever heard of Logan Paul and KSI? I have heard of Logan Paul. I don't know who KSI is. Okay, so they were two uh, competing YouTubers. And they would both make consistent YouTube videos. KSI is big in UK. Logan Paul was big in US. And for Logan Paul's vlogs, there were so many variables. Like he had to rent stuff out, drive, gather a bunch of people, travel, 
so much. But KSI would literally just be in front of his computer and react to videos. And in the beginning stages, you know, Logan Paul was popping off more. But in the longer run, KSI has been more consistent. I don't think Logan Paul posts anymore while KSI still posted this day. And the reason why is because KSI has way less variables. It's straight to the fundamentals. Mm. Or like, like imagine if me and you, like recording this podcast, we needed like people to schedule for us. We needed to dress up. We needed to... Yeah, that would like take pr- the fun out of it. You know? I'm like, bro, that's too much, man. Just make it simple. I totally know what you mean. You know, I've... I used to work for like back as when I was doing my CA, I was with one of the world's biggest auditing companies and they have so much process procedure and documentation that you're most of the time, you're not actually doing the work, but you're just doing the documentation. Mm -hmm. So I I totally know what you mean by that. Although it's interesting because I've heard of Logan Paul, but not the other guy, KSI. Which kind of leads me to believe that Logan Paul won this competition. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you haven't heard of KSI because he's from the UK. Him. You may have seen him. Maybe. They both had a boxing match. KSI. Oh, there's a boxing match I really want to see. There's a. Are you familiar with Strongman Championships? Mm-mm. There's a guy called Eddie Hall and there's a guy called... Um, I forget his name. He was... Have you seen this show? I think it's called Friends. And this guy was like the mountain in the Friends. You mean in Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. Game of Thrones. So he right. he was the he's called the mountain. So he's an actor. Mm-hmm. And these two guys have some kind of fight going on where one guy is accusing the other guy of cheating. I can't remember his name. This this mountain guy. Let, let me think. Eddie Hall. Half Thor. Bjornsson or some Hafthor Bjornsson. I think it has a special O from Iceland or whatever. Mm-hmm. So these guys have like a professional disagreement where um, Eddie Hall apparently wins a championship, which this guy, the other guy, disputes. He says this this person has cheated. So they want to settle it with like a boxing match. And these both both of these guys are huge. Like they're like one hundred eighty kg huge. Yeah, I'm googling so it I, right now. They're huge. I want to see what a boxing match between these two guys would look like. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever watched a boxing match? I have not. This will be my first one when they do it. You're slowly uh, creeping into sports now. No, this is just like, I I want to see what happens when someone this strong punches someone. Does the other person die or not? Well, nowadays there's a lot of celebrity boxing matches going on. Where with KSI and Logan Paul, they ended up boxing one another and it was a big deal because no, but these, these two... guys are just famous in the sense that these, I'm just looking at KSI like a black guy with a bandana. Mm-hmm. But these are like regular sized people with regular strength. And these two guys like Eddie Hall and Hafter Bajornson are like the, some, two of the strongest people alive on earth. Big dudes, yeah. Yeah, so I want to see what happens like I've seen like some videos of Muhammad Ali fight where he's dodging like a lot of punches at the same time. But these guys obviously would be as fast. So they're going to have to take a couple of punches here and there. I want to see what impact it has on the person taking it and how much force can be produced in an offensive way by one human. Mm-hmm. 
be interesting yeah i would love to see it apparently this guy got in, got it was supposed to happen in like in january or something but one guy got injured so it couldn't happen mhm but let's see see when they're that big it's interesting cuz they're strong but their cardio isn't always that good i think they'll have trained to improve it like for a year they're going to train and then they're going to do the fight mhm Why they're so huge? It's so crazy. They're so goddamn huge. <laughs> I just hope like one of them doesn't like die like before the fight happens because of you know everyone's favorite conspiracy theory and let's say quote unquote conspiracy theory quote unquote we don't want your channel banned from YouTube mm-hmm. and also the fact that they're using like copious amounts of steroids to be so big. Hmm. Do you still box or you're done with that? I have not I haven't boxed it boxed ever since the whole covid lockdown started so it's been like 2 years. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be a good idea for me to box because last year I got like a big wrist injury my wrist just flipped on the other side and and even now it doesn't feel as good as it was before like it still feels damaged and when right. I do pull ups it gives me some pain after so I don't think pounding the wrist with boxing is a smart idea for me. Mhm. I might learn wrestling though. Something physical. Yeah, I, I mean, want to learn lifting. Yeah, I'm 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 lifting of course, but you know boxing involves like hitting the bag and it it's kind of accumulates the damage that you already have created on your wrist by getting injured a lot of times with it. And then you... your work involves typing all the time, so it's like I don't want to fuck with the wrist. Right. Did you ever think about creating a meal plan, a bulking meal plan for vegetarians? I have it on the website. I'm going to do one more though. Okay. Uh let me link it so you can put it in the description. It's called um how to get more protein as a vegetarian uh, with an Indian vegetarian diet with mm-hmm. uh, one sec. Let me send you the link. I put it in the chat. So you could eat eggs still. Yeah, it's like you know to be completely fair, most people in India do not consider eggs to be vegetarian, but in all fairness, eggs are vegetarian because all the eggs that you eat are not fertilized. They're a lot like a cow's milk in the sense that it's like a chicken's period. The the, the chicken never meets a rooster. Mhm. So It isn't exactly a living creature. Would you ever it's, be it's like a vegan? Milk. Sorry, what? No, vegans are. Sorry, can you ask a question? Would you ever be a vegan? I think veganism is an eating disorder, where humans require plant, sorry, animal protein to survive in a healthy way, and if you don't eat meat, you need to have milk, like cow's milk. and if you're not having meat and cow's milk then you're just a fucking idiot <laughs> but i would love to hear your thoughts do you also think they're fucking idiots or just regular idiots <laughs> i don't know anything about it man i mean i barely even you're know the difference between you're just going to dodge the question come on well i barely know the difference between vegetarianism and veganism i'll tell you the difference okay the difference is that vegetarians still consume animal protein in the form of animal products like milk and they also consume other animal products like butter 
other dairy, honey, and things like that. Whereas a vegan vegan just wants to live off grass and other plants and doesn't want any animal product because he thinks that, you know, like drinking milk is bad, like it's hurting the cow. And he thinks that wearing wool is bad for the sheep, etc. So he hates all animal products and doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me if that's the case, both don't seem like a good idea just because I'm team meat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I think that being do you, vegan uh, do is you like... Ever, do you ever see yourself eating meat or is that completely a no-go? Oh, yeah. I've, I don't have a problem with people who eat meat. And occasionally I've had meat before and, you know, every once in a while my friends order something, they try it out. I'm like, okay, sure, no problem. I'm not like very, how do I put it, militant about it. I don't care that much. So your friends eat meat? I have lots of friends who eat meat. Oh, okay. The way that you were initially describing it, I thought most people don't eat meat. Like most people are vegetarians. No, most people in are India. not vegetarian. Even in India, like most people are not vegetarians. The oh. average person eats meat. They just don't eat beef. Gotcha, gotcha. That's there are actually... certain states where most people are vegetarian, but not all states are like that. Yeah, I had a buddy, uh, Sonny. I'm not going to say his last name in case he's listening. But every now and then he was a vegetarian. Other days he'd eat meat. Yeah, that's bullshit. But he'd never eat steak. I mean, he'd eat chicken, shrimp, what else? Squid, etc. But never steak. He's like, nah, nah, bro, I don't touch that now. Yeah, cows are considered sacred. So almost no one in India eats steak except the Muslims because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not sacred for them. They have a different religion. But yeah, Hindus will never eat cow. Most Hindus. Like, there are some nowadays who are like super woke and don't care. But yeah, most Indians will, for example, people who live near the coast will eat fish, almost all of them. And people who live in like the middle areas will eat chicken, etc. So yeah, meat eating is common, but cow meat eating is like unheard of for Hindus. Right. Personally, for me, I would never eat a cow. Never, like never. I would rather starve. Mm-hmm. But other meats I have tasted many times before. Like what? Chicken? Yeah, chicken. Yeah. Crab? No. I haven't. Shrimp? Oh, no, no, shrimp no, no. you don't eat. No, no seafood yet. No. So just mostly chicken just then? chicken, yeah. Mostly just yeah. chicken. <laughs> okay. What other meats exist? Did... I think pork, etc. I yeah, once but... had pork by accident. Did you like it? Not really. Mm-hmm. It was a complete accident. I didn't know the dish had pork. I just ate it. Right. But it was uh, not not as good as people claim it is. So you, if you can't eat cow, you can't eat oxtail, can you? Oxtail. It's What's a very that? famous. It's a very famous Jamaican food from ox. No, you can't. I, I, I would not eat an ox. No. Okay. Like I would not eat a cow, a buffalo, an ox, or what's the other thing in English? A bull. Uh-huh. So all of these animals I would not eat. Got it, got it. Okay. So do you ever see yourself eating, incorporating chicken into your diet more consistently? If it was a necessity, sure, in the sense that what happened to a friend of mine was that he felt really sick. And the doctors told him that he needs to eat a lot of chicken because his body is running out of nutrition. 
So if something like that happened, then I will probably eat chicken a lot because I, I would rather live than die. So yeah, it's, I'm not like, I'm not super militant about it. It's just generally I'm a vegetarian, generally. I okay. have tasted like a lot of meat before though. Okay. Still not team seafood yet. Never try. It just seems weird. Like the whole like shrimp and all. It looks like cockroaches. I just, I just can't. I don't know. I think that unless you grow up eating things like that, you won't be able to eat it. Like in China, for example, they eat bats and Uh, insects. But for you, it's like, uh, so I have the same feeling towards shrimp. With shrimp? So do you ever eat like Chinese fried rice? Have you ever tried that? The veg version of it that they sell in India? Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the actual version is like. (laughs) Uh People here love that, like going to Chinese food. What does it have, though? What What does your Chinese fried rice involve? So Chinese fried rice is just white rice, soy sauce, uh, spring onions, eggs, and then you could choose your meat. And the three most popular meat are beef, shrimp, chicken. And nowadays they're putting in pork as well. Ah, so yeah, I've had fried rice minus the eggs and the meat. So just the rice. That's, that's just rice, man. Rice and onions. Yeah, but in India, they put a lot of spices in it. It tastes really good. The, do you eat um, roti? Yeah, I love roti. Is that your main carb source? Yes. And That else? and rice. Do you eat dal? Mm. Like the lentils? Yeah, I love dal. It's really it's good, good for health. I, mean, I eat paneer than- a lot. Paneer? Fat paneer, yeah. It has a lot of protein, right? It has a lot of protein. So the way you want to do it is you don't want to buy from the market. What you want to do is you want to get the milk. You want to remove the ghee from the milk so it becomes like low-fat milk. And then make it paneer. Because otherwise you're just eating a ton of fat and you're going to get fat. So <laughs> if you remove the ghee, then it's much healthier. Or you can have a ton of, you can get a lot of protein without getting a shit ton of calories in you. When you are done with your diet or when you're done eating for the day, do you hold a lot of water? No. No I water. I don't eat weight. that much sodium. Like, I don't like eat very salty. Okay. Okay. No, because with Indian uh, or just Daisy food in general, I mean, there's a lot of spices involved. It's much different than in the US, where when I take my white friends to an Indian restaurant, like, oh my, like, do I eat it or do I, uh, do I take a picture with it? Because there's so much color. <laughs> yeah, so outside food, like, you know, restaurant food, veg uh-huh. food is really unhealthy because they put a lot of salt and a lot of oil in it. But if you cook in your house, then you can control these things and make it really, really good for you. We have this uh, Indian food place called Bawarchi, and they make their biryani so freaking spicy. And one time I took my white friends there. I'm like, man, what am I doing? They're going to hate me because... You know, this place is so freaking spicy. So we go there, and before they even order the the biryani, what happens is the waitress brings us some roti. They have some ketchup and some random sauces. Ketchup? It's, yeah, yeah. So ketchup is just one of the fillers that they had, but most people don't use the ketchup. Instead, they use the Indian sauces, like the chutney, etc. So what I'm, a few of my white friends That's are weird. like... weird. No one eats roti with the chutneys. Like it's usually eaten with the sabzi. Sabzi. 
Okay, so this is a vegetable dish. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the one where you just dip it. You're not. It's just an appetizer for the birani. So we're not trying to get full yet. So what yeah, happens that's is weird. like that's not how Indians eat ever. But go ahead. So what happens is, I'm over here, you know, dipping uh, the roti in the different sauces, and my white friends immediately go to the ketchup. They're like, "Oh wow, they have ketchup." I'm like, "How are you going to come to an Indian store and go for the ketchup and not the Indian sauces?" And what happens is they start dipping the roti in the ketchup. They start eating it, and they're like, "Ooh, that's so tangy." And Dude, what they Herman, the entire story of like dipping a roti in sauces is just killing me inside. Okay, so no, but the point is that they were saying that ketchup is tangy. I'm like, man, if you can't even handle ketchup, how the hell are you gonna eat this nuclear biryani that's about to come our way? So that's what I'm like, all right, man, you might as well not even order food. We'll go to Chipotle later. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's not an Indian food restaurant for sure. It's like an, it's like a fusion food restaurant. Then it's it's more fusion. I mean, it's kind of like a Panda Express. Have you ever been to a Panda Express? I have never even heard of it. Let me Google that. Okay, because like people who are into Chinese food, they'll be like, "Oh, Panda Express isn't the real thing. It's too Americanized." But that was the founder's goal to make it American and Chinese food blend. What are they serving? Are they serving pandas? No, man. (laughs) It's like uh, orange chicken, uh, Beijing beef, teriyaki chicken, fried rice, lo mein. Oh, okay. No, it it was like you said Panda Express and then you were like Chinese food. And I don't even know what the (laughs) Chinese don't eat. So I was like, oh, that's weird. Did you Google it? Yeah, it looks like they're selling pakoras of some type and noodles and broccoli. So they're very well known for their orange chicken. Is chicken orange? What do you mean? I've heard, I, I know black chickens, white chickens. I didn't know there was an orange chicken. No, well, it's just a name. So it, they have regular chicken, they coat it, and then they dip it in this orange, sweet, and spicy sauce. And that's what Americans go wild for. But if you're straight from Asia or China, what happens is they're like, a Pan Express, that's not real. I don't even want to hear it. It makes my skin crawl. Oh. Because it's, it's a hybrid. <laughs> so I, I What's think the name I, you said? Let me Google that. Bawarchi. For the Indian one. Yeah. Spell it B. B-A-W-A-R-C-H-I. Oh, Bawarchi. Bawarchi means a cook, not Bawarchi. Bawarchi. Oh, okay. Bawarchi. Bawarchi. Although I think the word should be Bawarchi. But I think they're calling it Bawarchi because easier for Americans. Yeah, the food. Yeah, this isn't Indianish food. It's like, uh, okay. So click click the link that I just sent you. Okay, one sec. Clicking. The page so, is sending you to HTTPS href. Okay, I don't think you like copied the link correctly. Huh? Can you send me like the proper link? Not the Google, uh, you know, not the Google redirect notice. Okay. The thing is, if I click the actual link, what happens is um, it doesn't show you the picture. It just shows you their entire menu. It's fine. Send me the menu. I'll, I'll look for the picture. Okay. So do you Bao see that link? Biryani. One sec. It's kind of showing up. Ah, I see the plate they have. Yeah, this is Indian. 
the whole dipping thing is not Indian at all. That's it's not a French fry; it's a roti. Right, right. So imagine just a roti with those two sauces on the top left corner. Plus, they also had ketchup and other sauces. No one touches the ketchup normally, but since I took my two white friends there, they recognize the ketchup immediately. They're like, "What the hell is that white sauce and that orange sauce?" Nah, man, let me go to the familiar one. So that's for more context. Ah, I see, I see. Ha! Huh, I went to this restaurant once, Arman. It's mm-hmm. it's a very good, expensive restaurant, and my friends ordered a French fry, like. And the, this restaurant is like known for the French fries. They give it with like seven, eight, nine different sauces. And I tried all of the sauces and all of those sauces sucked. <laughs> and I had to ask the guy to bring me ketchup because the ketchup was not in one of those eight sauces. Uh. So they had different, like they had like mango sauce, etc., etc. But they didn't have ketchup. And the only thing the French fry tasted good with was the ketchup. Uh. <laughs> How original. <laughs> Yeah, they they had they worked really hard. Like there was a mayonnaise, there was like different flavored sauce or whatever. Like different, I don't even know the names of these sauces, but they all sucked. But ketchup like, was the only, only good thing one. they had in common. They they all sucked. The mango one was still okay, but the only thing that was good was the ketchup. Dude, I hate ketchup by itself, at least. Like it has to be mixed with mayonnaise. Try doing this, okay? Go online and buy like organic ketchup that doesn't have any sugar in it. In the sense that the ketchup you buy is like mostly sugar if you buy the cheap one. But if you buy the organic one, it's mostly tomatoes. It tastes much better. Do you like sriracha? What is that? Oh wow, dude. I gotta get you I gotta get you on some sriracha. I'm sending you a picture right now. Okay. Sriracha. Is it a, it looks like a sauce? Right. It's a spicy sauce. It's normally used in Asian dishes, but nowadays I just eat it with everything. Do you like mustard? Nah, man. I hate mustard. You? Unless it's honey mustard. I think it's okay. It's very low calories, so like it's good for sandwiches and stuff. Like, a lo- like how much calories do mustard have? It's like 19 calories or something, right? Mm-hmm. Calories in mustard so i think the taste to calorie ratio is really good for mustard yeah so like one packet of five grams of mustard will have like three calories as opposed to something like mayonnaise which will have like 40 calories maybe you guys have a mcdonald's over there right yeah of course what does it's it everywhere sell? man oh, it sells burgers and fries and coke and drinks but the burgers are what like kind of burgers? Vegetable burgers, so aloo tikis and different types of vegetable options. Then they sell chicken burgers for oh, okay. people and fish burger, egg burger. Okay. No beef. Like a no McChicken, right? So McChicken, McFillet, all of that's there. Yeah, McChicken. Uh, f- there's a fl- fillet of fish, and there's a McEgg in the non-veg section, and the veg section has aloo tiki. Um, Mac veggie, paneer mac spicy, and um, what else? There, there is a veg maha mac, I think. Do you guys have made of corn? Do you guys have a wawa over there? What? No. What is that? Wawa, W A W A. 
wow wow i don't make google that no we don't now okay what did they sell so it's a gas station but inside dude there's like such good food but no one gives the food a chance because it's apparently just a gas station but if you go in there they sell subs burgers pasta much more hey it's 2 am here arman you're making me hungry now <laughs> and i can actually eat all of this stuff because i'm not cutting anymore right but you i could also uber eats seed oil you could also uber yeah, eats I, right i don't eat outside food that much it's really unhealthy they put too much oil i, I need everything to be cooked in ghee or butter you know so so discipline man yeah there are ways to go about it where you can like eat outside food for example you have to eat like dishes that are primarily made out of eggs and then you can tell the guy to like use butter not whatever oil he's using so what mm-hmm. i will typically do is i like have you seen those small packs of butter made by amul um no i amul haven't school packs it has like 5 grams of butter right have you seen that before Wait, let me let me send you a link to a picture. Is it one of those triangle cheeses with the cow in front? No, no, no. It's this butter, but it's like in a small packet which you can put in a tiffin box. So you can take like a couple of packets with you and give it to whatever wherever oh. you're going. Like cook in this, don't cook in whatever you're going to cook in. Oh, okay. I see it. I never seen this before. Yeah, so this way you can eat like healthier food even outside, because the taste is mostly in the masalas, in the spices, and not like in the ingredients itself. And the unhealthy part typically comes in from the oil. Mm-hmm. So if you can cook in butter, it's going to be high in calories, but it's not going to be unhealthy, especially if it is made in eggs. Like it's, it's if it's an egg dish or a paneer dish or something, or a rice dish. Mm-hmm. The unhealthy part is usually the oil and the excessive salt. So you don't just go out of your day or throughout the week at least eat some McDonald's. Do you have a Burger King? We do have a Burger King. I'll tell you the last time I ate McDonald's Arman was 2020. Oh, and wow. that was I ate once because it was like in the lockdown and I hadn't like gone out of my house for like 3 months or something like that. and then the government had just allowed people to order so i kind of like okay i haven't gone out in 3 months what's the dirtiest thing i can do today <laughs> so that was the dirtiest had... you guys don't have anything worse than mcdonald's you know what's worse than mcdonald's okay let me think i'm trying to think of something that doesn't have predominantly beef option oh so mcdonald's doesn't have beef here in india No, that's what I'm saying. Like uh, that's why I don't want to say steak and shake because I doubt you heard of steak and shake. Okay. Chipotle you haven't heard of, right? Is it like a burrito? I've heard of it nowadays in the sense I've heard of a chipotle sauce which is really good but very unhealthy. Right, right. So Chipotle I don't know if there's one in India. Let me google this stuff. There might be like a similar shop selling similar food. What about Chick-fil-A? Have you heard of that? I've seen the Twitter account I haven't like heard of it. Okay. So Chipotle it seems like a meal box which has noodles, rice, corn, paneer uh, or chicken, I don't know, and beans. So yeah, this seems like a regular meal. So it doesn't have noodles. Uh, you're talking about rice. 
right? Oh, it seems like noodles are pasta. I'm not fully sure what it is. Okay. It it looks like noodles. Like it, it's like a very long rice. Like maybe two inches of rice. Two inch. Wait a minute. Well, send me a picture. I don't think you're looking at the right thing. Okay, I sent you a link in the chat. Let's see. Oh, that's cheese. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so th- have you seen one of these bowls before? Uh, not really, but this seems like not that unhealthy. No, it's, it's not. Just like- it just has a lot of sodium, but during my diets, I'll typically go go there. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't seem super unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It seems like just a bunch of ingredients put together, like a quick meal you would make as a single guy. Right. Well, people go there hardcore. Like they have the hardcore fan base. Yeah, makes sense. If you're going to eat out, might as well eat something like this. It's not that unhealthy, right? It's it's actually pretty healthy now that I look at it. It has chicken, it has beans, it has rice, cheese. Uh, unless they're like dressing it in oil or something, this is a healthy dish. Mm-hmm. But of course, like this is just like me basing it off this one picture, okay? This is not an endorsement of Chipotle. I don't know this brand. Never been there. Life Math Money recommends you check out Chipotle. <laughs> I was just like wondering who's going to quote that. <laughs> Do you think a big business ever going to just hit you up for recommendations or an endorsement? Is there a food that you eat a lot? Don't you eat Subway a lot? Are you used to? I used to. I used to. But then I realized that their bread has vegetable oil and that mm-hmm. was a deal breaker for me. Did you see all of Subway's different marketing tactics? Like, were you aware of Jared? Yeah, he's like a rapist, right? He's pedophile. Pedophile rapist, yeah. Yeah, that sucks for Subway. Yeah, and then they rebranded to $5 footlongs. It's always a mistake to, like, put the price in the brand. Because inflation, like, eventually will make you change it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, nowadays, I mean, I I don't eat Subway, man. I, I... I'm all about Team Wawa over Subway. Let me... I don't know. I haven't tried that one. I think that if these brands... They can truly be healthy if they like stop fucking it with vegetable oil. And all the chemicals. Like, what's the problem? Just make something that's healthy. Mm-hmm. That's what people want, right? Right. So I don't, I don't, I don't know why they do it. Like, they, they want to advertise it as healthy. Like they want to like sell something that is healthy, but they don't want to make something that's healthy. Have you ever tried Spanish food? Just chicken, rice, beans? I've tried beans and rice, not chicken. Like not like not as not a lot of chicken. Okay, well, one of the underrated places in Florida is you don't go to an actual Spanish restaurant, but you go to the grocery shop where you just buy produce and the typical items. And normally, within those grocery shops, they have a cafe. If you go to those cafes, they hook you up with so much food. Seven bucks, and you get this big, uh, like, meat, rice, black beans. And you'll think it should be, like, 14, 15 bucks. But they only charge you seven bucks. So you could eat there if you're trying to get healthy food. Mm. But once again, a lot of sodium. They're AWS in the sense that. This 
selling the food is not making the profit but once you go there you buy other shit which makes the money probably or i think it's the reverse i think people go there for grocery shopping and they're like you know we're here anyways let's get some hot food as well hmm, i don't Where know they, maybe they they speak pure spanish so whenever i'm going there i'm like uh pollo pollo they're like pollo means chicken and so afterwards they're like uh, mr armani you get same thing all the time like oh, they, they have, know you by name That's they know really me cool. by name because i go there i would say like once every other week but i order the same thing all the time so they know me now ah. all right harsh since since it's getting pretty late over there i mean i don't want to hold you up any longer this was a fun episode yeah, I think if we go 10 more minutes, we'll hit four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't say anything. <laughs> I just said, like, hit the mark. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just be silent. Yeah. Do, do you normally stay up this late? Not normally, but lately I have been because I've been working on the TYC course a lot. And mm-hmm. this time allows me to coordinate with more people who are not in the same time zone as I am. Those other two people are are they from India as well? No comments. Uh, no comments. Okay. Um, whenever you're releasing a product on Twitter, do you also work with other people, or do you format everything yourself? I will typically hire someone. Like the previous products I've done, I had like the art of Twitter and live intentionally. I formatted them. I formatted them myself. But in the future, I think I will hire someone else because mine are pretty plain. Like I didn't like work too much on making them pretty because i thought the content was what people were buying mm-hmm. but i can see the point if, you, if it looks better then what's the problem right one thing i learned is that people do judge a book by its cover where the cover doesn't look i i lost count of how many times people were like bro i literally j- just bought level of mentality because the cover looked cool and then i saw that the content was great too i'm thinking <laughs> you literally just bought it because of a nice cover you haven't done that before, Arman? I, let me think. I've done that a lot of times, but I just bought a book because the cover looked cool. Yeah, I probably did that. I don't know with which book, but I'm 95% sure I've done that before. Yeah, I've done that a lot of times. I can't even like count anymore. You know what I hate the most about books? One is poorly formatted. Have you ever read Henry Ford's autobiography? I have not. The one that I got, it's so freaking close to the the spine, like the text, where you have to tilt your head like 90 degrees to read it. Yeah, I hate that so much when it's like you have to break the spine to read the book. But the book is so freaking good because Henry Ford was a billionaire. Uh, He's the founder of Ford. And his mindset in regards to business is amazing. He focuses on the first order principles. So I'm like, man, I really want to finish this book, but my neck is hurting. <laughs> Maybe you should listen to the audiobook. Who knows? I'm still, I mean, I still haven't given audiobooks a chance, but I'm more and more open to it. Give it a try. I totally get you about badly formatted books. I just can't stand. I telling you, one of the worst feelings I get is breaking the span of the book. You know, where you open it extremely wide. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, the text is like really close to the spine, and it adds like this whole curve to reading it, so right. the line is not straight anymore. Mm-hmm. So, and the only way to fix that is to, like break the spine, right? But then it creates this crease on the outside, and it's like, uh, like 
just just make the book correctly format it right make the cover look nice give it a nice experience yeah sometimes the guy who is like formatting it is just being lazy like a friend of mine he launched a book but he launched it on kdp like the kindle publishing thing mm-hmm. where uh, amazon direct publishing what, what is it called kindle direct publishing yeah kindle direct where you can publish a paperback also right he couldn't figure out how to get the formatting right so what he did was he couldn't like figure out how to like make it fit the page so he added 1 inch margins on both sides and he made the text go all the way into the spine and then he just sold it and i was i bought a copy and i was i was like what is this mhm like if you had spent two more hours just fixing the formatting or whatever getting customer support this would have been such an amazing book and now no one's going to read this right it's a big deal it's a big uh, deal i'm surprised they let him publish that cuz you have a previewer right before you click publish so i'm surprised he didn't notice that i don't know it's it's not like it's it's literally like to read the book you have to break the spine at every single page mhm ah oh, that's that's awful yeah that sucks so i could not read the book and i don't want to return it because this book is like a by a friend of mine but mm-hmm. it's literally just trash right so boys if you are writing a book hire a guy to do the formatting <laughs> there's a new software called atticus you guys should check it out i have that one yeah it's good is it yeah atticus there's one more which works only on mac and atticus is the one that works on all platforms the other one for mac is called vellum uh so atticus is the good one right yes let me just Yes, V E L U M, or V U E L. Yes. I'm so one time. Nowadays, I mean, if you can code and you could sell the right software, there's so many little things that people need that you could make a living from. Like, I agree with is, you completely. How clutch is Atticus? Because normally, I mean, if you want to get someone from Fiverr to do it, you're probably gonna have to pay. it's there's a range uh, some people will charge 100 to 150 other people may charge 40 bucks but let's say you're going through your entire book and you format it yourself now you have the potential to create infinite roi because let's say you're making money immediately there was no upfront cost unless you had someone make the cover for 15 bucks but 15 dollar cover free formatting cuz you did it you get 15 in sales and you already made your money back and mm. this asset this asset lives for life where with amazon like you may not get initial sales in the beginning but over time it indexes the book and it'll send different people to purchase the book yeah i've heard amazon is way more passive way more passive where i have a book called speak easy how to be articulate assertive and audacious around people which is currently available on Amazon and what Amazon has been doing harsh is that they bundle this book with another book uh, i think it's called like how to speak effectively which is a pretty popular book so they're randomly just picking my book and bundling it with this one so i'm getting a whole bunch of sales anytime someone buys that book do you see what i'm saying Oh, can you repeat what you said? I'm so sorry. I zoned out for a sec. Yeah, no problem. It's pretty late. So, 
I have a book called Speakeasy: How to Be mm-hmm. Articulate, Assertive, and Audacious Around People. And I wrote this book last year. Recently, I noticed it's been getting a whole bunch of passive sales without me ever promoting it. And I check that this book is being bundled with another book called How to Speak More Effectively, which is a pretty popular speaking book. So Amazon mm. randomly just bundled my book with another popular book to create a brand new offer. So whenever he gets a sell, I get a sell. Whenever I get a sell, he gets a sell. That's amazing. Right? That's good. I mean, it's completely passive. Where the way that I view it, Harsh, is 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 digital real estate. I agree with that assessment. I I think it's passive income, and once you make it, it's there forever. So it's like an investment. Well, you should grab your blogs and eventually make a paperback. I'm I'd love to, to read. That. I'd love yeah. to read your paperback book like by hand. The blogs, at least, because you have a lot of. Well, you're building a portfolio at this point. I think by the end of this year, I might do it. Mm-hmm. Your site still doing well? It is, it is, it is, it is. But it, I'm writing a lot, but the purpose is nowadays I'm writing an article with the purpose of turning it into a YouTube video. Oh, okay. So it isn't just writing an article for writing an article. Well, your content stacking at this stage. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like lighting one candle to write the others. Mm. Something like that. That's smart. How is your YouTube channel and everything doing? I don't decent. Um, What I've noticed with YouTube recently is that they promote my backlog of videos where some of my oldest videos are nowadays getting a lot more traffic. So this one video that I did called uh, Shortness of Breath While Speaking, is soon that's going to be my number one video on my channel. And I recorded this in, I'd say, December 2020. So now it's like the number one video. Google is even sending traffic to it. So... um. Yeah, so it's it's strange. Like old videos are now picking up steam. Hmm. I think that YouTube is a lot like a search engine, right? Versus say something like Twitter, where once you tweet, your tweet dies after two days. Mm-hmm. But YouTube is a search engine. People are searching for content, so your old content gets like still gets eyes. Right. Interesting. Like I'm trying to. I'm trying to see if I which word it is that I rank for. So if you just type in shortness of breath speaking, normally on YouTube. Shortness of breath speaking. Do you see one of my YouTube videos? I do. Hey, I like the whole background you've put up. It's like you're in the stars and yeah. <laughs> Damn, you have, have you seen these fortune tellers? They look like that. With the whole expression <laughs> and what you're doing with your hands. <laughs> I literally just screenshotted a random uh, picture. I'm not too good at creating thumbnails, but um, this video has literally just been growing. So I see this eventually becoming like my number one video. 
how you should try like putting a better thumbnail i don't know um how what is it like the click through rate from this thumbnail like in the analytics let me check here i'm going to check once we're done with our call just because i can't check it from my phone uh oh, can i check? okay what's like a good click through rate for your thumbnails like what is considered good i would say like 3 to 4%. I mean, this is something that I plan to automate soon. I just need a little bit more cash flow and then I want all my videos just thumbnail cuz that's the biggest thing, like thumbnail and headline, which I don't know. I make my thumbnails myself and I seem to get about 5-6% every video. 5-6%. I think that's a good one. But your life math money, man. Or they're like, "Oh, damn." Like you have a big Twitter audience, so they're just like they're very excited to no, but See this is impressions click through rate. I don't know if it's like coming directly from Twitter or people's recommendations, like you know, right, YouTube right, right. recommendations to strangers. But I think you know what 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 goes into making a good thumbnail is hmm. to have an interesting picture, like have the text on the picture, and to know a bit of color theory. You know what color theory is? Yes, I, I recall you bringing it up a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, so for example, for my latest video, how to be a more interesting person, I have like green, but in, on the green, I have purple, which makes the green and the purple both look good. So it's about knowing what colors look good to humans in combinations. So it's like yellow and purple also do really well. Mm-hmm. And you want to pick contrasting colors, complementary colors, and that makes a thumbnail look beautiful. But I'm cer- not an expert. Yeah. You have certain things in your business where you're like, I can't wait to outsource this shit. I've outsourced all of those things that I... Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's like, it's like some things where you're like, yeah, I can learn it, but I really don't want to learn the shit. Yeah, like s- editing v- sound, etc. It's, yeah, it's like all the tedious work. All the tedious stuff. But some things you can't outsource that you have to do anyway. For example, I can't outsource the content creation and I don't. I would not want to. Everyone reaches that insight eventually. Eventually, you know, I was having this call with a pretty big account and you know him too. I, I just don't want to name drop. And he's just like, man, everything at this stage I could outsource. I have an assistant for this, this, this. But the one thing that I can't outsource is content. Content is king. So he reached that insight from years and years of work but now he knows it and you know it too yeah i don't think so. i know some people who do outsource content and they use ghostwriters but it's like come on man at that point why even do it bro that just feels wrong to me yeah it's like it's the true sellout <laughs> back to pitbull <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a Come on, man. Like, come on. Like, that's you're not even sell-out. like your own philosophy anymore. <laughs> like, that's like someone <laughs> that's writing in your name. <laughs> Dude, what a good comparison. That's a sellout right there. And I know a pretty big account who is a sellout. So, I'm really? not going to like drop his name. Like, not, drop not his name. Related. Drop his name. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's a good guy. He's just really busy. And he's not like not 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 from life math money. I know him from like a, in a completely different way. Like I know mm-hmm. him in real life. He's not producing self improvement related content. So not on Twitter. 
Yeah. But he does like something something completely different related to education. He writes books, but he doesn't actually write the book. He just lends his name. Hmm. But he's pretty popular. Ghostwriting is on the rise nowadays. Yeah, but it's like what's the point? There's this famous song. You may have even heard of it. It's called Still Dre. Have you heard I of it? I have not heard of it, no. By Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. I've and, heard of Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Okay, well, it came out recently that Jay-Z wrote that song. And when Snoop Dogg said that Jay-Z wrote that song, it just ruined the magic for me. Where I'm thinking, what? That song was ghostwritten? And Jay-Z is great in his own right. But something about it, man. It just took away the magic of that song. Wait, aren't most songs written by someone else and then sung by the person singing it? Or do they have to be written by the singer? Yeah, I, I would say that's the common practice. But the GOATs, like the greatest of all times, they write their own music. Where I oh, believe okay. I believe Eminem writes all of his own songs. Have you heard of Eminem? Yeah, he has good music. But Eminem does rap. I mean, like, for example, if you take a normal song which has lyrics mm-hmm. and then there's a composition... like composing the song i can see the musician doing the composition versus some other guy writing the lyrics right so is that a non negotiable for you no one can ever touch life math money's content yeah that's a non negotiable for me because my goal with life math money is not to make money right it is like spreading a better culture that i believe in and that i know works from my own experience So I have like a it is like you know let me let me give you an analogy if you take a christian guy and be like I'm going to change the bible for you it's going to make you more money <laughs> will a christian let you do that no exactly it's like that and you said your main purpose was to bring back traditional values into the modern world not you- all traditional values the ones that I know work like there are many traditional values that are complete bullshit like non-violence Mhm. So the ones that work in my experience. Would you say there's anything in the modern world with women that work better than traditional values? Yeah, for example, I don't think it's right like I I think having women educated is a good thing. Because mm-hmm. it kind of lets her contribute. and also it improves the functioning of the household it also improves the children's education so i don't think women should not be allowed to study likewise with women i also think that women should not be kept at home forcefully in the sense that they should be allowed to go out exercise be fit and strong they should be encouraged to be in great health i also think that women should be taught about their bodies and not like kept in the dark about how you know their periods and everything function which was like which is how things were in the past right so i do think that there are many things uh, that are like, good about the modern world which should be incorporated so it's about doing what is working like it's about doing what is that what, what works and not just doing what is old you see what i mean there's a difference correct like the people who say like you know you're just medieval they miss the point They, they they think that you want something just because it's old 
when really you want something because it's working, it worked well, and the current thing is not working. Mm-hmm. So that's a difference. And that's the ultimate philosophy of life math money. W- would you say that you your brand vision evolved more? Because I recall in the beginning stages, it seemed more so for male self-improvement. Nowadays, it, is it seems... It for male self-improvement. Okay, so nowadays it's still male self-improvement, not more yeah. cultural? It is cultural improvement via male self-improvement in the sense that ah, I see. As, a man's, as a man improves, he will fix his culture and we're going to give him guidance on what to, like, where to start. Here are some good points that you can think about, etc. It's Have you seen this cliche thing where, um, you know, most almost everyone who's a leftist is a complete dork like their physiology sucks they're skinny fat and almost everyone who goes to the gym and is fit is typically traditionalist or more masculine or you, you see what i mean right so when you fix your life a lot of the things take care of themselves I mean, going to the gym is—it's just a change in philosophy. When you see that no one can lift the weights for you, it's only you and the weights. There should be a level of accountability that's being cultivated. Yes, I think it also fixes your hormones and mentality, though. Yes. Like how many feminists do you know who are fit and jacked, like male feminists? They're almost always these computer computer dorks who are like you know physically weak, weak. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, yeah. So with a lot of male feminists, they seem dorky. But with a lot of women feminists, I noticed some of them are pretty hot nowadays. Yeah, see, the women feminists are like, women are easy to manipulate and they're getting manipulated. But I'm talking about the men. Like, the only men who fall for feminism are dorks, like, whose testosterone levels are really low. Mm-hmm. Like, you give a man testosterone, he will stop being feminist. Unless think, he's like being paid to be feminist. Like <laughs> Do you think they all have the same definition of feminism? The real definition of feminism is to go for more rights for women and less rights for men. It is not about equality. It is about where, let's say, women have something that men don't. No one cares. Where women don't have something that men do, then they want equality or whatever. Were you ever a male feminist before? No. I had this one buddy who used to be Bernie bro and was... I've actually seen this guy evolve to a brand new person. But even during that era, Harsh, like me, him, we were roommates. And... Mm -hmm. Our definition of a feminist was equal rights, right, for men and women. But the definition you gave, I mean, this isn't what we identified with when we said, yeah, I I see the case for feminism. It's a practical definition of feminism, how it is in the real world. Like the third wave or the new era of feminism? It is how feminism exists today. You know you, how things have like a fake meaning, like a theoretical meaning and a real meaning? Right. This is the real meaning of feminism. There do you are see, theoretical meanings, but this is the real one. 
do you see any benefits of feminism? Um, there are certainly benefits to everything. But I do. I think it has done more harm than good. I can think of many benefits, though. For example, it has given access to edu- of education to women. It has also allowed women to like come up with their issues to people. Otherwise, if a woman is being exploited, she has nowhere to go. Um, it has also kind of well made life better like for families too like a child has like access to more experience from both parents etc but overall i think it has done at least in recent years more damage than it has helped in the sense that feminism achieved its goal of equality and now it's just like wanting more and more wanting and more, more. arman i need to get some sleep it's 2 30 okay we ended up doing a long episode today, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, me neither, but it was a good episode. Great episode, man. Uh, any final thoughts? None. What about you? Nope, I'm good. Uh, thank you guys for joining the Unapologetic Truths episode, and we will catch you next time. With Arman and Harshina. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye-bye.